So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. We have some very exciting news for you on the Barks from the Bookshelf podcast. Our lovely friends at Dogwise, who publish a lot of the books that we have featured and are due to feature have decided to give all of you lovely listeners 10% off all of their titles. So if you head to their website, which is www.dogwise.com, you can have a look at their catalogue. And when you get to your shopping cart at the end, just type in the coupon code, which is BARKBOOK, all one word, B-A-R-K-B-O-O-K, and they'll give you a whopping 10% off. Enjoy! Barks from the bookshelf and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshelf and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshelf and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshelf till we're gone. Barks from the bookshelf and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshelf and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshelf and we're gonna learn 
shop. We're gonna learn about our blocks and bars from the shop kicker. Hi. Three go. Three go. Go. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. We're in. We're in. Um. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. I. Well, I only saw you yesterday, so it can't be. I know. That much hasn't happened, I'm sure. No, although I've had a very busy day today. Oh, very no. busy day. It's been uh it's been quite manic. Good, good day, but manic. Yeah. Yeah. A proper a proper sort of proper job. <laughs> Have you seen anyone in um in the real life? Or are you still seeing people on oh, the Oh yeah, I had screen? a whole a whole day of real lives today. Wow. Yeah. I had got something crazy this week, like thirty one-to-ones or something oh my goodness Booked drinks are on you then various um <laughs> yeah 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 all all um all six to eight month old dogs that haven't managed to do any <laughs> yeah funny that <laughs> any training funny that whatsoever um for a bit of context for listeners uh lockdown is lifting uh it's tentatively lifting its its kilt in uh in scotland definitely if it's wearing a kilt but also in england well, what you're forgetting is it's six days till pub. Six days till pub. Yeah, we yeah. are on a. I'm sure that there's a, probably a clock in front of that counting down. Yeah. Like other people look at the doomsday clock. Uh, it's bottles of gin, actually. <laughs> <laughs> six days till pub. When is official pub day? I don't even know. Is it, is I don't it know. Friday? We haven't we haven't booked anything, but we need to go so we can spend some of our patron points. I thought we had um, booked uh, to go with Karen. Oh, friend, oh, yeah, friend of have. the podcast. Yes, we have. You're right. God, we can, we can pay for the booze out of our lovely... Oh, yeah, that is on the 16th. Oh, we right. need to book somewhere, actually, because that's a Friday. And I presume half the world will be at the pub. Is, is pub so. available before then, before that Friday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's Monday the 12th. Okay. Brilliant. Well, we'll we'll be going to our local, the Elm Tree, to support our landlady. Yeah. Um. So see you there. Yeah, I'll come along. Okay. Sold. You had me at weir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see you at ten a.m. outside. <laughs> God, you're getting up late now, isn't it? I know. Actually, I'm not. I've got up really early this morning. I was awake at. I did a you. You know, you said you were awake early. I did it again not- today. You do. It's a problem. It's 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 not um, what is it? Insomnia. I don't think it's insomnia. I think I'm just mm. waking up early, and then as soon as I wake up, my brain's going. I've got lots of things on my mind at the moment. I've got a webinar. Oh, well, you're a very up. busy man. Very yeah. busy man. Yeah, and I like to leave everything to the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> I fooled myself into thinking I work better under pressure, when actually I don't. It just means I wake up really, really early. Um. But anyway, and then nothing... lie there worrying. And about then lie there, for lie there for two hours worrying about it. And get up, do half an hour of admin. Bit, yeah, bit of crying, uh, and then carry on and with still, the day. Still end up late. Still end up late. <laughs> That's my life, listeners. Um, we did have a uh, uh, a date yesterday, though, didn't we? Not me and you, now. We did. Um, a date between the two big dogs. Yeah. Uh, Dra- Look, they're on my jumper. There they are. Drax and Peach had a little meeting. It's been a while, hasn't it? God, how long? It has been a while. And um, she was amazing, wasn't she? She was very polite. Mm. Um, and he was a little bit wary because he's, you know, he's got out of practice. He hasn't seen anyone for goodness mm. knows how long. Probably about six months, actually. Isn't mm. that scary? Um, apart from our dogs, obviously, and us, but we're very boring. Um, so I think it went well. We should yeah. do it. 
as often as we can. And hopefully one day they will be glumping together down Botley Road. There was a mini glump, wasn't there? There's there, a mini there's glump. A mini and glump, then, a snog. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, definite foof sniffage. Yep, that was that was a um, highlight. Uh, there was uh, almost almost peaches almost uh, coerced Drax to take a swim with her. Yeah, in the pond. Uh, yeah, Pe- Peach was straight in there in the pond. Straight in there, couldn't keep her out. Um, I was really proud of her. I was. Yeah, I sat there with bait with me with my heart in my mouth, thinking, please don't be a doofus. <laughs> <laughs> Don't T-bone him for a fence or something or hump him like she did last time. Yeah, she got a bit overexcited, didn't she, bless her? She did, but she's grown up. She's come she's come a long way, yeah, baby. Yeah, she has. She was brilliant. So long may it continue with our big dogs. Yes, yes. Onwards and upwards. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything exciting happening in your world at the moment now? What's going on? I, know, I, I hear you've, uh, you have a new accreditation, a new string to your bow, should I say? I do. Yes. I do. I have a new logo. Um... Uh, packed so I now am an animal trainer well I was before but I was it was through the APBC but now I've joined Pact, which is brilliant and I've got a job as a tutor on one of their courses which Ooh. is Dozy. so that's really good uh, they are a fabulous organisation um, and what else have I been doing uh, I ate an Easter egg I watched mm. Line of Duty mm. I did some gardening but then it started snowing so I put all the plants back inside um, and I think that's it it's Billy Bonkers in England at the moment like five days ago I was in my shorts got my short shorts out for you know shorts of the podcast the old um, the mauve ones the pink ones yeah, well, yeah the pink ones have been out as well wow Got my short shorts out. I was prancing around with the legs out. Um, got the old what I like to call welly rub. So half of the hairs on the sort of like up by the th- up the the calf area have been rubbed off across winter by my wellies. I didn't realise that was a thing. So they're growing I'm... back. <laughs> I have I'd stubbly say, yeah. stubbly calves for about the first couple of months when it gets sunny. Uh, and and I'm looking forward to train a suntan uh, again. Yeah. Which is always yeah. lovely. You're not you're not going to go for the old naked training just to get the all over tan then. No, I've been banned from that. From oh, from, oh, from since Corinth. the incident. I'm yeah. not even. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not even allowed to take my top off if I'm over like right over the other side of the field for wow. for, for the fear of Corin thinking someone might have spied me i can do it on sundays we've made an agreement because sundays okay. i should be able to do it on mondays as well but maybe there's a bit but yeah um so yeah that's uh, <laughs> That's where I am with suntans and things. Um, Maybe you just need to get a taller fence so people can't see in. Then you could be as naked as lovely. you like. That would be lovely. Being wild and free in the in the field. That'd be great. Anyway, if anyone wants to come to our classes, uh, you can find us at <laughs> <laughs> nakeddogtraining.com. Um, but spring is springing and it's it's getting really, really nice. Our oak tree in the back garden is starting. The oaks are always the last. Aren't they? Like, they're, they're like the really... The grumpy old men of the tree world. They're the last ones. Oh, if I must. Exactly. Um, uh, And yeah, she's starting up. And when when it goes, oh my God, it's the most amazing acid green colour. Yeah. And we can sit under it because we've got like a little pergola and look up. And it's so freaking beautiful. I love this time of year when everything's fresh. Um, It's just, yeah. It's lovely, hopeful time of year. And when we were playing with the dogs yesterday, um, you saw a lot of, of tit action in my garden, didn't you? I did. I did. Mm-hmm. It's becoming a regular occurrence. Every time I come mm-hmm. around here, there's some tit of some description lurking mm-hmm. about. 
flapping about in the wind. <laughs> oh, I need to do a shout out, actually. Go on. I got a lovely Easter present mm. from um, one of our lovely listeners called um, Pauline with little Toby um, and Robin. Hello. Um, she sent me some chocolates. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, lucky. Wow. I'll wait. I'll wait. They for are my... Hotel Chocolat. Oh. Vegan chocolates. Wow. And they are amazing. Wow. And I, I've eaten two already. That's a Greg Wallace, that is. That is a Greg Wallace. All full of nuts, though, right? Yeah. yeah. What a shame. I can't share them. <laughs> <laughs> I also had... Um, so those of you... I'll have to put a picture of this up on the Facebook page, but I've had a, a marvellous um, late uh, birthday. I think it was supposed to be a Christmas present, but a friend that I grew up with, Claire, um, really, really good friend of mine. We, we were kids growing up together. Um, has become an or is an artiste and she does pet portraits um, or animal portraits and I love her work and she's done or Corinne had commissioned her to do a Scooby I'm looking at it right now beautiful oh you've got it up in Pride of Place already I haven't got it up yet but it's there it's 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 leaning on the where it's gonna be it's where it's gonna go it's brilliant I'll stick a picture of it up um yeah caught him captured him spot on yeah it was lovely Scoobs I got Scoobs um yeah other than that i was going to talk about getting wind burnt but um i'm not gonna bother mm-hmm. i don't think it's not very interesting <laughs> done enough weather chat, <laughs> weather chat. <laughs> uh, don't let the good enough is the enemy of perfection no perfection is the enemy of good enough yes and weather chat is good enough now indeed we indeed <laughs> well should we move from weather chat to book chat book chat book chat um yes let's do it because we are it's a book review show Woohoo! Yay! um we've had quite a few off the shelves haven't we um uh we have, recently because so. we're so lucky to have lots of lovely friends and it takes ages to read a book uh and yeah. so um <laughs> so uh well, today we are um, reviewing, recommending, because we're a recommend show, not a mm-hmm. review show, um, uh, Treat Everyone Like a Dog by Karen London, PhD, no less. I know, jealous. Um, she, Karen actually sent us these um, a couple of months ago, uh, and I have been uh, making my way through over the last couple of weeks. Uh, love it. What a great book. Great cover. It's a brilliant cover. My favourite green. Um, it's hefty. Green. It, it's it's it hefty. in it print, not PDF, which is always wins me over. Yeah, I'm with um, you there. It's um, it's got quite big print, so you feel like uh, you're very intelligent because you can read a big, a big book, book yep. but actually you get through it quick. You can get through the pages quite quickly. I appreciated that because I, lo- yeah. I like nothing That's more my physical review of the book. Um, <laughs> it, has, it is a great cover. I, I did, I, I sent her a message saying great It feels cover. nice as well. It's like, it does, it's, it's like matte. Sort of, yes, but it's kind of like, I don't know what it is. It's like uh, shiny matte. Yeah. Is, is that an oxymoron? Satin matte. Satin. Hello, satin. Yeah, yeah. like my like my skirting boards ah. are satin. Yeah, that's great. I love it, and of course, it's got a foreword by a friend of the podcast, Patricia B. McConnell. Yeah, and on the back, Ken Ramirez, Clive Wynn, and again, Patricia. I mean, we've had them all on the podcast. It's been amazing. So I didn't. I didn't. This is terrible of me. And um, feel free if you ever meet me in person, Karen, to slap me upside the head. Um, She's also co-authored a few books with Patricia McConnell that I need to look into. I need to have a little a little goosey ganders down that road. Um, hmm. I don't know how these have passed me by. 
but you know can't can't have my fingers in all all the pies can i well there's only so many baths you can have <laughs> aren't there <laughs> <laughs> i actually got in the bath at half past five in the morning the other day when i was having one of my reverse insomnia thingies oh my goodness. and corinne came in and she was just weirded out she was like she doesn't like it when things happen in in straight at strange times during the day so <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> It's not that weird having a bath then. I mean, cooking a roast, it is for that's me. weird. But... <laughs> cooking a roast. <laughs> yeah, she was a little bit freaked out, bless her. Uh, um, I, soon, I soon calmed her. <laughs> um, well, this book is wonderful. Shall, shall we go into why read it? Because um, yeah, let's, I've got yeah. lots oh, what, to say. Go straight in. Yeah, uh, well, no, let's have a little gap. little gap for, um, for uh, jingle, 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 jingle. Okay. Right, there we go. So why read it? Um, well, I mean, look, the book is called Treat Everyone Like a Dog. Now, I don't think if you're listening to this podcast, I think you're probably already on board with mm-hmm. the ethos of this book. But um, I, I'll i be honest here. I'm going to hold my hands up here, right? I have tried on numerous occasions to employ positive reinforcement uh, strategies in my everyday life with other human beings mm-hmm. with varying yeah. degrees of success. Um, I know what I need to do. I understand, obviously, understand the concepts and understand like the the ways that it should be done and all that. But, but I, I often do butt my head up against the brick wall of uh, just wanting to go back to using more punitive methods and that sounds that sounds really bad doesn't it Coercion. <laughs> torture torture, uh, torture works really well <laughs> no um yeah well spoiler alert like don't ruin my my um no okay I'll pricked wait. my eye mm-hmm. but i'm completely with you mm. complete and, and i'm not gonna say any more than that because i'll say it in a minute so i'm i'm actually i'm, I'm thrilled to um to, to see some sort of like practical applications. Again, we don't need to do a practical. I mean, if you want a practical application, get the book because well, not only does it go through. So I, I actually thought that I should, I should write one of the, one of the bits on the back for this book, because I actually think this, what Karen has done is she's made a book that might actually get through to my mum in some way. And that would just be a great quote. <laughs> well done, Karen wrote a book that might, might get through to Stephen's mum in some way, because what it does is, it brilliantly goes through everything about dog training. I mean, everything's in there. Quadrants, classical conditioning, shaping, mm-hmm. all of the, the theory and that that's all there. That's there for you. So yeah. it's a one-stop shop for that in itself. But also nice little ways of how you can apply that to real life, how it is applied to real life, how Karen's done it through anecdotes and things that have happened to her in the past, which is brilliant. Well, we, we all love a little story don't we and that's what I really liked about this book is that there's the theoretical introduction to a concept Mm -hmm. and then how we can apply it to humans and why and uh, you know um yeah anecdotes basically Mm. I'm always trying to think of new ones some of them you know when you do a new anecdote off the cuff and it doesn't quite work and you think are you still with me here Mm. but I'll basically be stealing a lot of these out of the book because they they all work really well. Yeah, 
yeah yeah it's a great it's a great uh book to steal stuff from (laughs) (laughs) why read it there you go (laughs) yeah i'm sick of talking about spiders in all my analogies so yeah i need i need to update yeah i know you get bored of the same old pattern don't you so you've got to spice it up and add some new ones in there's a fabulous one i'm going to use it in one of the sections later on but um uh so karen writes for um uh, a weekly column about animals called the London Zoo, which is a great name. She's called Karen yeah, London. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So her local paper, anyway. And there's a great anecdote in about how she, um, how um, she uses the opportunity to uh, catch uh, to to look look for something wrong rather than catch something good. And then the anecdote's really, really good. I want to talk about it later, so I'm not going to go into it too much. But it's full of that. It's absolutely yeah. chocked full of all of these sorts of stories and how they you know, how they can affect your life. And actually, it's made me actually think a, a little bit different about what, you know the way I approach using positive reinforcement. Um, we did, we, we tried a, uh, me and Karen tried like a little uh, <laughs> uh, like tick off thing, tick off thing, like add like tally thing. So yep. it was, um, so for me, what it was, was it was for, for Corin, it was for massages. We've got a, we got a, what a massage gun, right? Um, uh, we call it a the, massage. Hang on, yeah. hang on, rewind. What is a massage gun? So it's by a company called Fission, 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 Fission. I don't know. Um, it's, it's a quite a big unit, big black unit, right? And it's got different heads on it. Um, and we, we've nicknamed it. Again, the, are you sure this is an okay story? It's, a, it's a massage gun. All okay. right. I'll tell you okay. what, you've never seen batteries. I'll tell you what, that lasts as long as on this day. <laughs> we call it the thudder. Um, and um, <laughs> to blur this out if we do a photo, the, se- the sensor blurred. Oh, God. It's great. Anyway, it's really, really it good. Sounds Corin likes a firm massage. I I've, I okay. can't do it. I can't. I just can't do it with my thumbs. I don't know. But I, the I thudder does. The thudder is firm. Yeah, 100. Okay. Or, or you can make it firm if you if you right. want. Right. For want of a better expression. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so, so the thing was, right, if, if Corin loaded the dishwasher, she gets a little tick. And these a t- each tick donates a minute of thudder time. Oh, like graph. you do with a with a three year old. Yeah, like that. You get a exactly sticker. like that. And then I and then I was getting, although mine was a bit vague, what I had to do. I can't remember what it was I had to do. Hers was just one thing. Maybe this is why it fell down because because I didn't have a clear sort of indication of what I had to do. So, so I, was, <laughs> I was maybe offering you didn't set the parameters, offering behaviours left, right, and centre, and not yeah, there was there was no stimulus control there. So you just nope. We fell off anyway. We fell off the wagon basically, and there's just there's this poor lonely chart, the thudder chart on the on the fridge, um, <laughs> that, with loads of uncompleted uh, possible reinforcement on there, and, and it's just there as a testament to remind me of how that that little exercise didn't work. Yeah. So now I need it's to hard. I need to find out how to make that work. Yeah, it's hard to stick to things like that, I think. It really is. Um, but reading this made me really think that actually, again, being kind of egotistical, I guess, all of the focus was on like, what could I get out of this? When actually, that's probably not the best way to approach these sorts of things, is it? Yeah. <laughs> and if you know what the reinforcer, well, a reinforcer, to be a reinforcer, has to be reinforcing. Yeah. Whereas if you think, oh, I don't really want a massage today anyway, then you're not going to do the behaviour. So That's a good point. From a purely, you know, operant point of view. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So why read it? Because you need to learn how, how, well, I'm going to read off the front cover, how a dog trainer's worldview can improve your life. And it really, really can. 
um you know unless you're me and you fail at every hurdle and trying to implement <laughs> it in your life um but i'm not gonna i'm gonna keep trying that's it that's the thing that i've learned over my life just keep trying keep trying until it sticks did that with quitting smoking and that's yeah. worked um i aim to do that with exercise i reckon by the time i'm 60 i'll be doing some sort of regular exercise um <laughs> yeah eating well that's going all right as well so yeah. you know just keep going keep at it till it sticks yeah yeah and don't beat yourself up no don't beat yourself up just yeah. thud yourself <laughs> with <a> thudder. <laughs> <laughs> right in the retina. Uh, <laughs> um, pricks your. So, do you want to go first? Yeah, can I go first? Because it yeah. kind of. I didn't talk about it just then because um, I okay. want to talk about it now. Okay. So, uh, I think that I'm going to read out a couple of paragraphs, which I think really sum up the kind of ethos and the aim of the book quite well. Mm -hmm. um, and explains why sometimes us trying to do positive reinforcement in human society and culture just falls down as you were saying mm -hmm. so um oh, where shall i start i don't want to read too much because i don't want to spoil it but um <laughs> if ad so there's some research that, that states if adolescents have the chance to earn something valuable their brains will work hard to make it happen this is just further evidence that it makes sense to use positive reinforcement with teenagers rather than harsh and punitive tactics. It's common to take things away from teenagers in response to their failures or missteps. Find out what their currency is, a woman at a spin class once said to me and explained how her son was always losing his access to his most pr treasured privilege, which was salty snacks. I'm going to go for uh, ready salted hula hoops. Mm. And how, the, how powerful the loss was because it made him really angry. Hangry. <laughs> he was always losing the opportunity for his hula hoops because he didn't make his bed or he forgot to do a school assignment or because there was food on the dishes even after he washed them. Mm. Schoolboy error there. Um, I wish I could have found a way to ask the woman with the hula hoop loving son to experiment with using them as her currency with positive reinforcement for doing these tasks well, rather than as a currency of negative punishment. Alas, I didn't know her well enough to feel comfortable opening a dialogue about that, which is a shame because she already had the piece about what mattered to him figured out and he likely would have been highly motivated to do things well to earn the hula hoops he adored so much. Mm. And there it oh, is. That was it? quite a nice. Yeah. In a nutshell, story. that kind of does yeah. explain. Yeah. Yeah. Issues. Issues us humans have. We need to we need to flip the script. We do. And I think that's a, that's massive. Mm. It's a whole mindset change. Not yeah. sure if you if you can you have to just nibble away at it in little sections. Probably. Is that the answer? Is it just keep, keep well, I just said, just keep practicing, I guess. Until yeah. Keep throwing something at the wall until it sticks. Yeah. <laughs> the trouble is, though, I think we've got so much kind of autonomy and, and we can think things through. I'm not saying that dogs can't. We, we're not sure. But um, we have access to our reinforcers. Mm. We can Whereas, just go and get them. Yeah. 
That's actually something interesting that I wanted to bring up with Karen later on is that so many of our reinforcers, I mean, I know you use the example of like ready salted hula hoops and that, but mm-hmm. for so many of us, a lot of the reinforcement we get is social or little, little sort of like, um, like I get, like I get not, I, I don't get any happier than when like someone that I would consider my peer would say, oh yeah, that was really good, mate. Now that's it for me. I'm done for yeah. a year. That fills my reinforcement bucket up for like, yeah like a month i am proper proper happy or or just like someone noticing that i did something that sounds really bad i don't i don't (laughs) mean i don't mean no one no one notices but say just get the violin out (laughs) again um uh no i don't mean that no one notices when i do stuff but say you've you've done something like uh um uh i don't know like like i've got a webinar coming up for dog training college <clears throat> oh, I, I got an email about that today it looks so good oh did you um yeah. oh that's cool um but then you get like an email from someone who says oh i listen to your thingy and i really like this bit and it's a bit that like you 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 wouldn't expect someone would have picked something up on something like that yeah. you know that's that's the sort of thing that i'm talking about so maybe is that you 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 got to be so on it with when it comes to dog training bless you when it Sorry. comes to dog training, um, you know, you have to be so on it in terms of when the reinforcement is delivered and, you know, mm. all of those things. Is, is the problem that reinforce, is it just we take our eye off what's reinforcing or we don't understand as humans so much where the reinforcement is and the right time to put it? I don't know. Yeah, all of those. And I think we don't, we don't spend enough time celebrating the, the, delivery of the reinforcer but that happens in dog training as well like you know oh there you go have a treat let's move on and we do that so much in our daily lives as well like okay done that bit off i go yeah next next on the list you know it's busy lives isn't it it's um i mean (laughs) let's think we both love gardening right Mm -hmm. so look at the length of time between Mm -hmm. an activity and the reinforcement we get from it sitting in a nice garden yet you still do it doesn't put you off no you don't think, oh no i'm not gonna put that plant in or you know um clear that bed or do that because oh it won't flower till june but then all the you other think, wow reinf- i can't wait for it to flower till june yeah june. i hear you but then again all the other reinforcers are at play of like oh, i done something really good today in the garden that's reinforcing in itself like you know yeah i, I did some mulching uh oh, did you? no i didn't no. Never mulched in my life, but I love that word. Any opportunity to use it. Um, uh, yeah, and also, you, you okay, right, you might you might plant like a chilli and then you might not get the chilies for months, but every day you come back and you're like, oh, it's got a little bit bigger, it's got a little bit... Uh, yeah. Some... yeah, so you've got little little bits along the way. Mini reinforcement. Um, and I guess they're what keep you going to a larger goal, isn't it? So, mm. yeah, maybe we need to break things down smaller so, it, so that there is reinforcement waiting for the ultimate reinforcer and the i mean that that's the whole relationship between classical and operant conditioning really isn't it it's the way that you 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 feel emotionally whilst you're sort of undertaking a task um Oh, hmm. oh, it's a minefield, isn't hmm. it? The whole classical operant thing at the moment is is very interesting, and in the way it swings from one side to another and back again, and intertwines, and you know all of that stuff. Very interesting. Very. I very think it's it's quite interesting the way things seem to be going 
where there isn't as much focus on what we're asking our animals to do, which mm. I think is is a good thing. We're yeah. con- um, I'm not saying that it's completely redundant because obviously husbandry tasks not, and all yeah. that kind of mm. stuff, but the priority really should be on how they're feeling. Yeah, for sure, 100%. And that's where obviously classical conditioning plays a huge mm-hmm. role in that. The um, role. Yeah, yeah, the role. The role. The seeded bun, if you like. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, well, again, we, we're going to talk to Karen, aren't we? This, uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. And I, I you know, H, I... And actually, if, if we've just spoken gobbledygook, mm-hmm. um, Karen explains the concepts of classical and operant conditioning really well. With really lots well. of different examples as well. So yet again, another reason to a bad book. Yeah, another reason to fast forward the gobbled goop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just switch, switch off, us off now. <laughs> Go on Amazon. <laughs> I wonder if there's an audio book, actually. I didn't check that out, actually. I have to ask Karen. Right, okay. Pricked my eye. What um, pricked your eye? Pricked my eye is, again, so um, I alluded to it in our little intro there. So there's a nice little section um, entitled Catch Them Doing Something Right, brackets, don't look for what is wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And then it talks about the mindset of actively searching for behavior um, that you want to happen. Um, mm. is, is huge in the world of dog training. Again, I do it all blooming day mm-hmm. long, yet flip the script and and in my you know social life as a human being. Actually, I'm thinking about this as I go along. I'm, I'm quite good at doing it with certain i think i think my empathy bucket has run out with some people in my life i think that's the problem um (laughs) yeah no i think okay so let's think of an example if we were sat around um with my sister's little girl for example Mm -hmm. everyone's probably watching her yeah the dog trainers in the group are more likely to go oh well done what have you found yeah yeah, yeah. right i'm generalizing here you know um Whereas people that maybe aren't of that mindset are more likely to go, oh, don't do that. So they're, you know, we're all watching the same behavior and the same child, but we're looking for different things. And I think that's what this book is, is getting at, you know, be more dog trainer. Well, there's a lovely, the positives. a lovely anecdote here about, again, I'm not going to read the whole thing out because it's a couple of pages long, but the basic premise is um, she was writing for her column, the London Zoo for a local paper um and she'd been writing something about running um i i believe so it's all about um the different types how r- the word run is used in the language so um mm-hmm. uh there's some examples like running amok running behind running scared to be on the run have your blood mm-hmm. run cold etc cetera, etc cetera. and then at the end she did a really cool thing she did a little shakespeare quote at the end saying the course of true love never did run smooth um, but when it went to editors, when it went to editors, they edited it to say the course of true love never did run smoothly um, because obviously someone didn't pick up. It was a Shakespeare quote. Um, oh, so my they, goodness. So yeah. as you would, she got a little bit like, ah, oh, no, that's gone out now. And, and yeah, everyone, and I've misquoted Shakespeare. Shakespeare. <laughs> I mean, don't. <laughs> <laughs> So she, she, as you would, you know, as any human would, like, you know, got in contact with the editors and, you know, oh my God, you know, this has happened and it's supposed to be this and it's supposed to be that for a reason. But then, um, that's probably where I would have finished things. But then Karen realized that actually, you know, 
that's the only time I've contacted the editors just to pick out something they've done wrong. I've never sort of yeah. like, I've never contacted them every time they've edited a document and said, thank you for any other yeah. mistakes you found that aren't, that haven't been turned accidentally into misquotes. Um, so she then um, you rewrote another letter to them or an email to them saying, you know, I'm really, really sorry. And, and I just wanted to say how much of a great job you do. Um, and I thought that's a really, it's a lovely, again, the book is full of these wonderful anecdotes like that, but you know, our whole ethos is look for what your dog's doing right, reinforce what you're doing, you know, what they're doing right. Um, mm. But then put it into practice in real life as well. Is uh, what it, a lo- Yeah, what a lovely kind of self-realisation and correction, mm. really. And yeah. it's, it's, it's so true. Um, I have to be very careful, or I am very careful, when I'm marking students' assignments that I don't just pick out, you know, you don't want to be that red pen person you want to pick out really good stuff and say yeah this sentence was brilliant and wow what an interesting piece of research because otherwise yeah feedback should never all be negative yeah there's a great thing about that in the book somewhere so you you tickled my memory there and I didn't I haven't written it down so I don't know what page number it was but um about marking about how Mm. approach marking from like you look at the at the paper as like a zero and then you add you add to it rather than there was some other system where you like knocking points off like yeah. for, for stuff puts you in a different mindset, which is yeah. Fabulous. So yeah, I like I like that. I like that. Um uh I think Yeah, that was good good example. Yeah, really, really but, nice I mean that's example. what this book's full of though, isn't it? Really nice little examples which can just help people just... uh understand what, what we're trying to get at when we are trying to change behavior both human and and dog to say i mean to say it's chock full of those marvelous there's another little story i did have a, a second a backup from a prick me eye another little story about uh i think it's karen's dog that um she recalled it away from a deer and miraculously spun around and started running back <laughs> towards karen and she I, I told you this about you you'll hear this and you this will make you think ah and she uh, as a jackpot, like jackpotting for wow, what an amazing recall! She opened her treat pouch and just let him stuff his face into yeah. it when he got back. I did a similar thing the other day because I'd read the book and did a similar thing with uh, with little Penny, who uh, eyed someone off in the distance every now and again. I don't know what it is. I don't. The wind's blowing in the right direction, or it's just that day. Um, Penny will spy someone, and something about that person in the distance just seems really exciting. She never never says boo to a goose normally, mm. but she'll be off, and then her recall's pretty good. So I tried the old whistle recall with her. She spun on a penny and came running back to me, and because she loves to mug my treat pouch, I <laughs> and I'd read the book. I thought I'm gonna yeah. jackpot that because that's a great one. So I thought, and I knew I only had like a few crumbs left in the bottom of the treat pouch. I led knelt down, which would have opened... been pretty measly, just in your hand. But exactly, giving access to the ah, oh, the, the amount of yeah, the amount of uh, you know, uh, extra added to mm. her being able. So I lent, I lent down. So as she's running, whistle recall. She turned around. She'd run. When she's halfway across, I unclipped my treat bag, let, knelt down, and opened it up. And I saw her face as she, she realised what was going on. I saw her eyes. Were her eyes on stalks. And she hit, she hit me like, I actually reckon she must have been doing about 120 miles an hour. But she, she hit, <laughs> hit that tree pouch and her whole head kind of disappeared. Yeah. Munching Perfect away. Perfect size, that head, just to fit in that. In Perfect. Your, Slimline your nose gone. going to scruffy face. And she, she was in there. She came out with 
treat dust all over her, but very happy. Very happy. Um, and yeah, it was a nice little jackpot moment. But again, one of those little stories that got me thinking when I was out, uh, how I can be jackpotting. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you're right. And th- that's a really good point. If I'd, if I'd have recalled her back and then got a handful of dust and kind of fed it out of my hand, it would be no way as, as amazing as that situation for her so she was she was a very happy girl this is why i don't wash my treat pouch very often it's not because Mm. i'm filthy Mm. it's because i want it to have all those smells so Mm. that when i have run out and i've just got dust i can do that that's my excuse anyway that's why they used to call you uh, nat stinky pouch at uni <laughs> oh, Nat's got the sprats again. <laughs> right, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> I do like dogs and I like dogs and you like dogs and yeah. We like dogs and I like dogs and you like dogs and yeah. We like dogs and I like dogs and I like dogs and um right okay uh so uh we have um uh, obviously for you lovely people we have arranged an an interview with Karen um Karen is uh going to zoom in and we're going to have a a chat with her I have got a bio though <clears throat> Oh you are you okay to do it <coughs> I'm saying that as I uh, talk amongst yourselves as I take 4 hours to bring dumbly, it up dumbly, dumbly, I do love that music. Here we go. Uh, Karen sent us some amazing uh, photos, her and her doggies today as well, which was really, really good. Uh, Right, Karen Facts. Everyone ready? Karen B. London, PhD, is a certified applied animal behaviorist and certified professional dog trainer who specializes in the evaluation and treatment of serious behavior problems in domestic dogs. She began working with dogs in 1997 and has spent years working with clients in one-on-one consultations in addition to teaching group training classes and giving seminars about canine ethology for trainers, veterinary and shelter staff and the public. She received her BS in biology from UCLA and her PhD in zoology from the University of Wisconsin-Madison where she studied the defensive behavior of neurotropical social wasps. What? What? Uh, I I could talk about that. Uh, and a nesting association between two species of wasps. Her research and scholarly publications cover such diverse topics as interactions between species that live together, defensive and aggressive behaviour, evolution of social behaviour, communication within and between species, learning and parental investment. After graduation, Karen decided to switch to working with dogs. It was a natural outcome of her love for dogs in her personal life and a scientific interest in species interactions and aggressive behaviour in her professional life. She has enjoyed the change to becoming a dog behaviorist and trainer as dogs are easier to work with and less aggressive than wasps. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Totally true. Um, uh, Karen is an award-winning author of six books on dog training and behavior. So you'll be a returning guest, I'm sure. Five of them co-authored with her mentor, Patricia B. McConnell, friend of the podcast. PhD. Friend of the podcast. Uh, she blogs for thebark.com, which is fantastic. If you haven't checked that out, you should check thebark.com out. It's very, very good. And also writes an animal column, The London Zoo, for the Arizona Daily Sun. Her most recent book is Treat Everyone Like a Dog, How a Dog Trainer's Worldview Can Improve Your Life. Spoilers. Um, Karen lives in Flagstaff, Arizona, with her husband and their two sons. She is an adjunct professor in the Department of Biological Sciences at Northern Arizona University, where she teaches 
tropical field courses in Nicaragua. Oh, that's a word I struggle to say. I'm it's quite proud word. of myself there. And Costa Rica called Tropical Forest Ecology and Conservation and a class for freshmen about the importance of insects to society called, wait for it, sex, bugs, and rock and roll. So Wow. So there we go. Um, I mean, there's, there's enough just there, not dog-related, actually, to have an hour. Has she chat. found time to write six books as well as doing all that other stuff and chatting to us? She's what, superhuman. What a superwoman. Super, super, superwoman. Okay, um, shall we? Shall we uh, yeah. open the door and let Karen in? What a Imagine the chances. <laughs> I'm know, so sorry. Just my, I'm just going to turn my fish tank off. I do it okay. at the last minute because I don't want to kill my fish. Okay. okay, fair dues. No fish died during the making of this podcast. <laughs> so I'm using just a set of, you know, iPhone headset. Is that okay? Because I do have this, but um, they tend to fall off. If I can avoid it, I'd like to. It sounds great in fairness. Sounds good. Mm, I can so... hear you perfect. Oh, good. Well, I tend to be loud. It's my gift. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, good. That's good. Has your has your copy, Karen, of Treat Everyone Like a Dog got as many bookmarks in it as my copy has? Oh, no. <laughs> you win. I win something, Nat. Yay. Yeah, but my, my bookmarks are foxes. Yeah, all right. Okay. Oh, oh well, then it's a tie. I take <laughs> yeah. it all back. Yeah. I don't want it to be a competitive disaster. <laughs> I'm so sorry that we're late. It's completely my fault, um, but it's all dog related. So I'm okay, oh. right? You get a total pass. Plus, I really yeah. am very sorry that, about the mess up last week. I... No, no, no. It was, it's fine. I think it was, um, I think it was our mess up in Venice. We yeah, should, well, I was just thinking I think we Greenwich Mean Time, but like here we often talk about like I'm in Mountain Standard and we don't do Mountain Daylight. And so I was just thinking Greenwich Mean and I figured, anyway. Blah blah blah. Oh, Americans do, and their geography, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Do, do Americans do daylight savings time like where you get you change the clocks twice a year? Yes. Almost oh, okay. Every, almost everybody does, except this is strange, but my state, the state of Arizona, doesn't do it. Oh, except okay. The Navajo Nation, which is a Native American community, they're partly in Arizona, partly in New Mexico. They do it, but then there's the Hopi Nation in between them that also doesn't. So in Arizona, you can go through all these different time zones. Um, wow i i was looking at that and i was in classic sort of uh uk folk i was looking at the the, and i was thinking hang on a minute there seem to be different time zones in arizona and i'm like how big is arizona big Uh, yeah Yeah, it's i mean it's really not that big i think it's like seven and a half million people and it's like you can drive from one side of the state to the other and i think like maybe six hours oh okay Um, oh okay North to south is maybe like, I want to say maybe closer to 10 or 11. Okay. Um, like uh-oh. us to Scotland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, but we're going like maybe 110 kilometers, 120 kilometers an hour when we go. So I, we lived in Scotland for a month. We spent a month in Glasgow. I did too. On sabbatical. Yeah. And the roads are, you know, narrow. And I was driving, like when I would get in the car to drive, especially in downtown Glasgow, I would tell my kids, I'm like, okay, don't talk. Like mommy's very stressed. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
I and need to concentrate. Son, my younger son would be like, let's buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. You know, like, <laughs> oh, you've, you've actually, you've given me a little segue. Are we, are we okay? Like I've got, I've already pressed record. I can always edit anything out that anyone needs, but you've given me a really good segue there because I was thinking about something the other day about your book that really got my attention. And I remember when you talk about driving, I remember, so my mum and dad have got a place in Crete and, uh, when when I go out there, normally we get a really late flight. So we turn up at like, you know, ne- nearly midnight um, and I have to get in a car and then I have to drive from the airport to my mum and dad's place. It's, it's lovely. Don't get me wrong. But the actual getting in the car and driving experience is horrendous. It, every time I do it, it's like because in Crete, they're quite... Um, you get a lot of uh, men yelling out of their cars and waving their fists at you if you if you're not going fast enough or if you don't let them overtake the. Do right they way. like their horn as well? Oh like my god, they love Spanish. Their horn. Yeah, Spanish people will beep just just for fun. I think a lot of the time. I, I guess the point of all of this was it got me thinking about. Um, there's some lovely stories in this book. I love the book. You know this already because I've already gushed me all too. over email. Um, well, I'm never tired of hearing it. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm so glad that you liked it. Uh, it's it's brilliant. But there's this, this story at the beginning about is it your son at school about needing um needing help not uh not a what's the word you use I can't remember correction now. not he a needs correction help, not a correction yeah mm-hmm. and I remember driving in when when I was reading that it remembered me driving in Crete and then thinking oh my god this is so it's so horrible being like because I know how to drive I like I like to think like most men well... I like to think of myself as a good driver. <laughs> I'm not. I'm really not a good driver. You should see the back of my van, Karen. Um, uh, I reversed into a tree. Um, it's most mostly duct tape. It's mostly duct tape. That's not. That's it not a lie. Sounds very artistic. Thank you. It is. I see that. It's artistic. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, it got me thinking about like the times when we feel when we go back to remembering what it's like to learn or being in a new environment or all of those things. And yeah, it just got me got me thinking about when you brought up driving in Scotland. Then I thought, ah. Yes, I remember I was thinking about that. Well, yeah, and it's so true. I feel like it happens over and over again. You're doing something and people are hollering at you, upset or rolling your eyes. And of course, maybe you're not doing things quite perfectly. But when that kind of thing happens to me, I kind of feel like shouting at people, but I try not to because it's unkind. Be like, don't you think I want to be doing this better? (laughs) I'm not, you know, cutting across lanes and in the bus lane and, you know, trying to shift on the wrong side of the car because that's where my hand would normally be. (laughs) Oh yeah. You have all of that as well. Oh Oh. yeah. Too stressful. Yeah. Well, for me, the hardest part wasn't even driving on the opposite side of the road from what I'm used to, but sitting on the opposite side of the car from what Mm. I was used to was actually the hard part. Mm. Um, But we better not talk too much about my um, driving experience in Glasgow or um, I will probably, you know, my blood pressure will get very high. (laughs) It was very exciting, but I mean, I loved everything else about Glasgow. I just well, actually, I, I, that's not true. I did not always love the weather in Glasgow, but I do I was going to say, really, it rains a lot. It's very grey in Glasgow for a lot of the year. Did you try Iron Brew? You know, I didn't. I, it's not my kind of thing, but I, I understand that it is very good. It just my my lack of um, enthusiasm at trying that was not not personal. There's, there's also an, an, an even worse drink that's come out of Scotland called Buckfast. Have you ever heard of that? That's you know, I did. Is that also like an ale or a beer? It's a so Iron Brew is just like a like a soda, like Mountain Dew. Oh, um, I know. Uh, I did not try that. I, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, it's no, bright. It's that. bright orange, a bit like how Mountain Dew is bright green. But Buckfast is a very strange fortified wine that 
makes you do very silly things when you're at university and she bought me a bottle of it once i yeah i'm, I'm coming in there i thought Buckfast wasn't i didn't think Buckfast was scottish i thought it was from oh I, I thought it was well that's a that's a conversation for another time but yeah yes, I, it is. I think... anyway let's talk about the book let's talk about the book not Buckfast. actually before um... the before the book can we talk about uh tropical forest ecology and conservation oh it sounds amazing and yeah, in, sure. Ni- in Nicaragua and Costa Rica. I mean, I was, I was just, go on, talk, talk a little bit about that. What do you do? Uh, well, um, I guess it's not, it's because I work with dogs now. It's not maybe something that many people know about me, but uh, mm. I got my PhD studying the defensive behavior of tropical social wasps. And I'm very interested in social behavior and I'm interested in insects and I'm interested in tropical ecology. Uh, my husband uh, is also a biologist. He got his PhD studying uh, community uh, relationships and bark beetles uh, in wow. the southeastern part of the United States. And we co-teach these classes. Um, we used to take a, we used to go to Nicaragua and students did their own research. And um, yeah, and it was really great. But traveling in Nicaragua became a little bit challenging. Just we don't have a really great infrastructure. And it was still safe when we went there, but we felt like it wasn't the safest place mm. looking forward. So we switched to Costa Rica. And basically, we um, teach about how uh, to a major aspect of conservation in the tropics is ecotourism. So the mm. students learn tons of things about, you know, shade grown coffee and, um, and how do you, how they can make, um, you know, that land worth more by making it available for tourists and how sea turtles that are allowed to nest make the property worth more than if they harvested turtle eggs. And then we actually go and we do a lot of ecotourism things and some research and some projects. And it's just a great way to experience, you know, it, a whole new part of the country. And we just amazing. Like, oh my gosh, it's so fun. And we've always had such great um, we've always had such great groups. Like the students have been amazing. And, uh, well, you, yeah, you don't kind of get into that unless it's a, it's very vocational, isn't it? Loving the natural world, I think. And it's not something you just do because you're not sure what else to do. You've got to have a real passion for it, I think. Definitely. <laughs> Sorry. You okay. Having tree issues. Nat, actually seeing as soon as we've got a little pilot here Nat, can you turn can you turn the volume on your mic down a touch Nat? am i really loud well no it's not that it's just i've got i've got balance is that better is that better 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 better. go up 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 yeah i reckon about there yeah okay that's perfect cool thank you very much see i can edit all of that bit out now the wonders. The wonders. <laughs> you all right, Karen? Everything all right over there? Pardon? Are you all right, Karen? Everything all right over there? Yes. I was just getting a phone call, but I and I thought I had my ringer off, but it was vibrating over there on the shelf, <laughs> and I was just do you like, need what to, are these Do you need to take it? Are you okay? Uh, no, it's actually my stylist. I haven't had my hair cut for such a long time. You know, hashtag <laughs> pandemic problems, and uh, and I was eventually good to go. And and um, and now, if if I'm unable to ever get my hair cut again, we know who to blame. No, oh, yeah, no. I was going to say that's, I think that's you what I need take to take the it. call. Yeah. Take the call on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I don't think that she necessarily, you know, agrees to that. She's lovely, and she uh, you can't tell it now because I'm a little bit. Uh, little bit shaggier than usual but she does a nice job you know when i ever get in there <laughs> i'm really lucky because corin used to be my wife used to be a mobile hairdresser not that in fairness not that it makes me really she doesn't do much with my hair so normally i just shave it all off but um yeah <laughs> yeah i've been stuck in with a hairdresser but actually i don't need one so it's kind of 
Oh, well, that's fantastic. I have cut my husband's hair a few times in the pandemic, but he doesn't like it when I say things like, hmm, and uh uh-oh, and (laughs) is this what you wanted it to look like? And uh, so now now, uh, one of my sons uh, has been doing it and it it seems a little better uh, because our our marriage is strong, but I don't want to test it with, you know, excessive amounts of like hairdressing. (laughs) No, no, the first time I cut my husband's hair I was so nervous I got Corinne on the fo- on the video call going like what do I do now and the, yeah thing comments like how short did you want it don't go down very well yeah you know I just I don't I don't have the gifts uh, my husband uh, has an identical twin brother whose wife cuts his hair so one time she taught me she's like I'll do oh. Steve's and then you can do Rich's like this is exactly <laughs> what you need to do on him um, and then you compared their haircuts and they, they were not exactly identical. <laughs> um, so yeah, and normally my husband gets his haircut in a normal place, but you know, in the pandemic, we've tried to make yeah. exceptions. Um, but I, I, I have just let my hair grow. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm embracing a very long ponytail at the moment. We'll see oh, yeah, what happens. quite healthy. That's great. I have a lot of hair. That's with an undercut as well. Anyway, enough about my right, hair. Yeah. Let's talk about the book. Stop making Sorry, me jealous I... with all the hair talk. <laughs> Um, are you one of these rare people then, Karen, that uh, likes wasps? I do. I do. I like wasps very much. I think they're very interesting. Um, it's uh, another uh, person uh, in the field who studies wasps described them as the uh, white rat of behavior. Like they're just, they're really fascinating for research. And one of the reasons is that within a very small sort of clade or taxon, there's completely solitary wasps sort of sub-social, moderately social, and then the highly eusocial ones. So there's ones that are just as solitary as like, you know, like just any sort of insect. And then some is the colonies, you know, larger than honeybee colonies. So the evolution of their social behavior is really interesting. But I do say I really like my shift from wasps to dogs. If they're, uh, dogs are easier to work with and they're <laughs> significantly less aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I can vouch for that because uh, last summer I mowed over a wasp's nest. Oh. Now, I don't, I don't know that much about wasps, but these were clearly very, very, very social wasps because they all came to the aid of their buddy that had probably died because of my mower blades. And I mean, I don't run, but I did that day and I got Uh stung. I got stung really badly and they they didn't they didn't relent. You know, they were they were really they had a grudge. Um, Yeah. Once one stings yeah, it's quite bad. I'm sorry to hear that happen to you. It, it sounds like they might have been some type of yellow jacket, um, and they they do tend to be quite aggressive. They are ground nesting, and uh, yeah. a, a single individual can sting you multiple times. Unlike with bees, where they sting you once and then they they you know it pulls out part of their body and they can never mm. do it again. Wasps can get you over and over. So yeah, I'm sorry yeah, that happened to you, but good workout. Yeah, good workout. Yeah, good workout. Um, and ended in my husband throwing a bucket of water over me. Oh okay. yeah, no, that's smart. It worked. It worked. So. yeah yeah <laughs> no one died yeah. no one died <laughs> so um i mean i, I will uh, let's get on to dogs i guess we're all here to talk about dogs dogs and humans actually um Incorrect. i want to i want to congratulate you because i think you've written a book that might actually be able to teach my mum something um <laughs> so i'm quite thrilled about that because i i i think it really helps explain she kind of knows what i do with dogs uh but she has very she has an issue with positive reinforcement and how to apply it like i like i think we all do a little bit um i think i think i would hold my hands up there and i think i'm i'm just i mean i only finished the book last week so i'm getting ready to lend it to my mum because i think i think it's going to blow her mind 
Oh, well, I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, I hope that she enjoys it. I, I mean, are you giving it to her like, here, mom, you've really got some stuff to learn or like, here, mom, I enjoyed this and I hope you do too. I'm going to go with the latter, but mean, <laughs> mean the former. <laughs> I think as I sort of slide Perfect. it across the Yes, room. you contain multitudes. That's terrific. I guess, I guess the thing I'm trying to say is this, this stuff, I find it frustrating sometimes um, because I know how to train a dog. I'm a dog trainer. I know how to do it using positive reinforcement, classical conditioning, all of the, all of the things you talk about in your book. When it comes to people, I find it a lot more of a struggle and I don't know why I just sometimes I purposefully try um I talked about I think I talked to, to Nat about this we me and me and my wife Corin we set up a um uh, a chart on our fridge of like scoring points so like someone loads the dishwasher you score a point and one one was for massages and one was for hand rubs um uh-huh. uh and we were doing really really well but it fell apart quite quickly when it fell apart it dramatically fell apart i'm not saying we were arguing and shouting at one another but we just even knowing what we know it still fell apart and i found that really really frustrating is that just uh my character flaw karen or is that Um, (laughs) absolutely not i mean i wonder if what part of it was is that um i often think when things fall apart in behavior with any species you want to look at like what is the reinforcement structure and what's going on so you know you started with those you know those check marks and that's good but were those really reinforcing to you like did you earn something that was really a value because that's like a secondary reinforcer it's not a primary thing like you know Mm. like you know a nice drink or a vacation or something that you really like and it's possible also that that the check marks that you were going or the lines you were going against each other and that it became competitive and that might have actually been an aversive it might have actually been punishing to play this game that's just a possibility. I mean, or it's just possible that you didn't need that, that you just, you're just so kind to one another all the time that that was totally unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. Let's go with that. That's really, really interesting. That's really, really, and what, why does it feel so weird to, you know, for people to, to be, I mean, we talk, you talk about it in the book, like why do people feel like they're being manipulated when you, when you try to add in some positive reinforcement to their lives but feel quite happy when it comes to being punished which seems really weird well maybe not happy is the right word is it but no but it makes sense to them well well my theory is and you know there aren't data about this I'm just speculating you know ideas you know right in my head you know right to you I think that when people are punished like you do something and somebody you know yells at you or gets angry or or um you know takes away a privilege or whatever you punish you understand that they're trying to change your behavior. Like you stayed out late. So therefore, you know, this comes away. Like that's the punishment you, well, that's not a great example, but like you're going to have to do this extra work or I'm going to yell at you or, you know, whatever. Um, They understand you're trying to change the behavior, but with positive reinforcement with humans, so much of positive reinforcement with humans is social approval. And so I think if someone feels like you're using social approval, like, good job, I really like that. I'm so happy. Like, why don't you, you know, choose where we have dinner or something like that? It sounds like you're just being nice. And when they learn that you're applying that in a direct, thoughtful, purposeful way, it feels manipulative because I think a lot of social things are normally just the way that we are, like we're just being kind. And if someone thinks that your kindness had a purpose, that can feel manipulative. But I, I, it makes me sad that people feel like it's manipulative because I feel like if someone does something good that I like and I reinforce it, I, I offer them something that makes them even more glad that they did it. And then they're more likely to do it, which I'm going to like, and I'm going to you know reinforce again. Everybody's happy mm. until I guess there's sort of this meta analysis or this meta thought that, oh, well, that was manipulative. It wasn't manipulative. It just was a system that worked. 
Um, so I, I think that's, I think that's part of the issue. And it is interesting how you were saying, like, you, you know, you, you know how to do this with dogs, but when you go to people, you know, there are certain challenges. And I mm. think what's so interesting is that we dog trainers, we have a head start on this, but it doesn't mean that just because we know how to do it with dogs that we know how to do it with people. We just have a heck of a head start, really. And I think that with people, we give dogs more grace. Like, you know, if you say you ask your dog to roll over and he, you know, high fives you, you don't think like, what a jerk. Like, why is he doing that? Like, doesn't he know I want this? You're like, oh, he didn't understand. Like you give him that grace. But with people so often, you ask them to do something and they do the wrong thing. Like, oh, can you put this in the, in the, in the dryer? And someone puts it in the washer. You don't think, oh, they misheard me or they made a mistake. They're like, well, why'd they do that? I obviously said this, you know, <laughs> we assume that they knew. And it's just, I just don't think that we give the same kind of grace and kindness to people in general. Um, but I feel like I learned how to do that with dogs and it's just a process applying it to people, you know, and, and sometimes I still, you know, it's like, sometimes it's still simpler for me with dogs because I always seem to give the dog the benefit of the doubt. And with people, you know, that's a work in progress. I try, but, you know, sometimes I am like, I mean, I feel like I wrote this book about being nice and kind. And then sometimes when I realize sometimes someone does something, I am thinking to myself, seriously? You know, <laughs> but it's just, you know, because I'm learning how to do it. I, I'm learning with everyone else how to be as good and kind and wonderful as I am with dogs, with people, um, you know. It's a, yeah, it's, oh, I there. love that explanation. Mm. That That's so good. There's, there's, there's kind of two sides to it as well, isn't there? Because I, you know, I, I am pretty sure that my dogs don't think I'm being a dry-witted, sarcastic, um, <laughs> rude word um, <laughs> when I say "well done." <laughs> they go, "Oh, I did it! I did a well done." <laughs> Whereas people in my life, if I say, "Oh, that was really nice when you did that," um, they go, "What? What? What do you mean? What do you want?" right what's the subtext here (laughs) yeah right well and I think that's one of the things that's so nice I think about really nice high quality training with dogs is the trust that develops between like a you know a trainer and a dog and I guess with people we all have more baggage and so even I mean obviously in the very best relationship with people there is a really high level of trust and no second guessing but in most cases you know, I think a lot of people, I mean, our relationships are quite fraught with like, well, what, what was the purpose of that? Or what did he or she really mean by that? And I just don't think we do that much overthinking with dogs. Like when my dog jumps up on me, you know, if dog jumps up on me, I'm not thinking like, oh, what is he telling me? He doesn't like this shirt and he wanted to get some muddy paw prints on it. Just, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, you never, it's, you, you never ascribe these sort of complex, um, you know, passive aggressive kind of yeah. behaviors to dogs. Well, some people do in fairness. <laughs> yeah and I think you know if if I I also take every dog as an individual but I don't necessarily do that with humans um yeah. I try to but if one human lets me down I I put the wall back up so it's yeah it's just really it's complex and complicated isn't it you know I agree I think it is but I think that as this idea of positivity um spreads in people I think there will be less of that I mean it used to be that people were much harsher raising their children and much harsher in coaching and much harsher in teaching and I you know this I'm talking about with people and it's become like sort of ever more kind and gentle and supportive Mm. and thinking of the whole person and it's interesting to me that in some ways um you know dog trainers are you know way ahead of the curve there I've I've um that's good I think it I've had a, like an interesting journey across my dog training 
career because like like most people i don't think i i understood just how much in, you're involved in people training rather than dog training especially if you run classes and things like that Absolutely. Um, I was quite, I think when I was a, a lot younger, I was a bit more of a judge a book by the cover kind of guy. And that quickly went out the window. I think, I think that's a beautiful thing about being a dog trainer or maybe doing any sort of teaching in any way, shape or form. I think you get surprised really, really quickly and learn not to judge anyone um, quite so much. Um, and also, I, interestingly, re- recently, I say recently, over the last sort of five years, I've really kind of relaxed. Kind, I'm going to say this carefully again. Hold on, that it's one of those moments. Um, I've relaxed <laughs> kind of uh, how how I teach, in order that the people end up having such a wonderful time when they're there. So, so I'm not like necessarily trying to hit all of these points, and that your dog needs to know this by the end of the class or anything like that. I, I I've seen a lot more um, results by getting the people massively into it before the dogs do you know what I mean so I used to do things like if someone would come in and mention something like I've been watching Caesar Milan on television or something like that I used to like jump straight on it or something like that but now make sure you bleep that swear word out sorry and now I and now I kind of hold back and I'm kind of like well we'll get to that at some point and if I can show you you know that that something works quickly and it's something that's going to really benefit you and your dog quite quickly then then I'll get you on board and if you're on board you're going to be having a good time and and you know it's more about having a good time for me in classes so much than training you know specific things does that sound right yeah. I don't I don't know if yeah, I'm explaining I think myself that's so important I totally agree I feel like I've done that way with my dog training and with my teaching at the university okay. with everything the idea that you, first of all, that's relationship building, like you have a good connection. And that's, you know, that's the core of all teaching, in my opinion. And then the other thing is that you want to get them to basically have like a classically conditioned response to enjoying the mm. process of mm-hmm. teaching and training, then they'll continue it. Because, you know, people take a six or eight or 10 week dog training class, it's not like, oh, dogs fully trained any more than like you send your kid to one year of you know, preschool and you're like, oh, well, they're good to go. They're ready to be solid <laughs> members of society. And it doesn't make any sense. There's lots <laughs> to learn. And, and I think that by, you know, giving them like you're essentially making it a positive experience for them to be in class, making training a positive experience because your goal isn't to fully train their dog. It's to get them started on that journey. And I I feel like, you know, making the journey a little easier, a little bit more fun and a little bit more productive is the goal. Um, But it's hard. It's so hard. I think you're obviously very far along in this process yourself. It's really hard. Like when someone comes to you for a private consult or they're in a class, I mean, you feel such pressure to get everything done that you need to like, okay, we've got to do this. Mm. It's like, well, you can't do that in six weeks or in an hour and a half or whatever. So I think it takes a lot of confidence to be able to say, these are our goals. We're going to do them in a solid way. We're not going to sort of halfway do 16 things. We're going to try to do these two things today or three or whatever. But it, it's it's hard. I think that's what more established and more experienced trainers do. I think almost everyone follows that trajectory of you start with like, okay, we've got to get it in. But the time they leave today, they should be good on sit, down, stand, stay, wait, heal. You know, come. it's like, well, that's not happening. Yeah. 15 pages of notes to send out. Like, right. I imagine I look right. back at some of my old emails, like notes, emails you send. And you just imagine people are like, oh, my God. It's like, I'm just going to pick one thing out of this and maybe I'll work on that one thing. Or maybe. I'll just get overwhelmed and not do any of it you know um yeah right yeah. I think there's a general rule that some trainers I th- that I learned from years ago were like you know like never give people more than like three things to work on yeah, in a session like two is sometimes good um 
but yeah, but it's hard because sometimes, especially since I specialize in aggression, if someone's like, okay, the dog is being aggressive to the, their child, the dog is being aggressive to strangers, the dog is being aggressive to other dogs in the house and the dog has tried to kill the cat. It's like, okay, which one of those is not important? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that can be, you know, they, you have to at least, at least set up some management for all of them while they work on one of them. I, yeah. I, yeah, go, sorry, Nat, go for it. No, no, I was just going to say that, but that's, that's where um, <clears throat> we really need to be confident at, at saying this is going to take sessions with me. Yes. You know, this isn't I'm, I'm not going to come in, unfortunately, as um, fairy dog mother and, <laughs> and fix everything. Um, but I am going to help you every step of the way. And this is what we're going to do first. And we're aiming for this. And yeah, I think um, uh, we had one of our um, business coaches on uh, last week and it, it's you have to have a lot of strings to your bow when you're in this game because you um need to you know pay your bills but also a lot of us i think um feel that we want to impart our knowledge and to improve the dog's life and the client's life um and the way of doing that is giving as much as we possibly can in the limited time we have them but actually um you know having the confidence to go this is going to take however amount of time um is is much better from a sustainable behavior change point of view um and hopefully better for the client as well because they mm. come away thinking okay yeah we tried this one thing and it really worked that's brilliant let's book in rather than oh my goodness i have been spoken at for an hour and <laughs> and i'm not really sure what i've got to do next but it's quite overwhelming Right. I completely agree. I think that it's really important for there to be a success. Like, oh, I've got this one thing and it works. And I always feel like when I first start with someone, I'm, I, I, I want to have them to have some success and I want them to feel like they have a plan and I want them to feel like they have hope and that they kind of see a roadmap, but we're starting here. And I, mm -hmm. I think that it's so important. Like I always say, you know, whatever the dog knows how to do now is where we're going to start. So I deal with a lot of aggression cases and what I use play a lot in aggression in, in cases. And one of the reasons I do that is sometimes and it can be very, very daunting for the client and for me when they've got a dog that has like a bite history and it's very high arousal and, you know, it doesn't know anything. Like it doesn't sit on cue. It doesn't really know its name. It doesn't, you know, like, like, where do you start? And then it's like, I always mm -hmm. ask about like, you know, how you ask about like the dog's activity level, what's their daily life like? And I always ask basically about their play too. Like what, like how do they like to play? What do they like to do for fun? If they were just left in the house, you know, to amuse themselves, what would they be doing? And we start there. So like a dog that knows how to fetch or a dog that knows how to tug or a dog that knows how to chase has some skills. So they might not know sit or down or come, or they might not know their name, but maybe they know to go find their toy or they maybe mm -hmm. know how to tug or to take it or to drop it or to pull with just the right force so they don't knock you over because they want to keep playing with you. They have like find the skills they have work from there. And sometimes it's easy because the dog knows a million things. And sometimes you're really starting at, mm -hmm. at square one. So it's just the idea of having a success early on and not overwhelming them with all the things that aren't yet successful is really important. And I mean, I talk about it in the book, like this idea of doing things step-by-step, step, you know, short sessions, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, not having overly unrealistic expectations and, it's, I think, taken most dog trainers that have been working like at least a decade to really get there. And yet we're, we're perfectly capable of taking those skills to people. But, you know, it takes practice, it takes time, and it takes a lot of sort of mental analysis, thinking about it. Like, what can they do now? And how can I get them to the next step and then on to step 100? Yeah. And short, short steps is, 
and short sessions and short steps is such a it's I, I think it's quite when people hear that they're like oh my god well I don't need to do you know one hour of training you know constantly a day I I like people's faces when they're like oh what you mean like you know a couple of minutes here and there or 30 seconds when I'm boiling the kettle or whatever yeah. it might be you know wherever the you can fit break it in. in your favorite program yeah yeah right exactly and I think some people are very excited by that and and it's interesting that it's not like intuitive, because if you think about trying mm. to learn to do something that is brand new to you, how short a time you can do it. Like when I was learning how to snowboard and I learned to ski in my thirties, I learned to snowboard in my late forties. So it was not like a, you know, like, not like, you know, like the kids that learn to ice skate when they're two and they're already <laughs> like, you know, going backwards faster than I ever could. That, that is a proper cool hobby though. I mean, pardon? Yeah. Very cool hobby. Oh, snowboarding. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm no expert at it, but it's fun. Um, but I, like the first couple times I went, you know, and I'm on like the easiest slope, you know, the slope with like all the three-year-olds on skis with their parents holding them in harnesses. <laughs> and, I'm snowboard. And, um, and like, I could do two runs, like two that, and then I was sort of done. I needed to take a big break. And it's not even that it's physically so hard. It's the mental, mm. the mental kind of you know, thing. And when I first started seeing clients, you know, I couldn't see a full caseload because it was so, you know, what we do is can be so emotionally, you know, intense yeah. to, to try to fill my whole days with that. You know, you start out and, you know, when that's like, you know, kids starting out in school, like 10 minutes of homework is, you know, like a good thing. You know, you don't need hours. Not that I actually think they ever do, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like we all, I mean, it reminds me, I, 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 um, there's a lovely bit in your book about um, musicians. Is it, is it your husband, your husband's uncle Fred, uncle Fred? Yeah. I'm married trumpet. to his aunt Ella. Yeah. He was a professional trumpet player. Yeah. Um, and I think when you're like, um, when you, when you play music, so I remember when I got a guitar, when I, I used to play the guitar um, and well, kind of still do, I guess I like practicing that. I used to practice it and practice it and practice it. Like at any time I could get, I would practice it. And that's kind of the opposite, I guess, of what I would suggest Mind you, I guess I'm talking myself out of this now because maybe like if I if you're getting into dog training, if you're going to be a trainer, you do a lot of training um, all the time. But I used to always like drill that, like really drill it. I mean, I never got that good to be quite honest, but I used to practice a lot. Um, yeah, so it's kind of that kind of goes against it a little way, does it? Well, I think it's different if it's your passion, if you okay. love doing it, you know, um, you know, then you know. But it's the idea of someone imposing from the outside that amount that of work. Or, and when you were practicing, it sounds like you were maybe fiddling around and enjoying it and experimenting. That's different than someone having you like practice a piece over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's different kinds of practice. I and mean, there's some things I can do like endlessly, um, you know, without getting tired. But like when I mentioned in the book, because I'm just it's, it's really almost impossible to describe how epically unmusical I am, even though I've married into a very musical family. And then when my, my kids who are, thank God they got their husbands or my husband, their dad's a musical ability. Um, they taught me how to play the recorder one summer. And then, um, and I could practice for like 10, 12, 15 minutes was like really stretching it. At which point I just felt like parts of my brain were like oozing out of my eyeballs and, you know, it was done because <laughs> I was concentrating so hard. Whereas they would like, when they were playing the recorder in school, they'd pick it up and, you know, kind of fiddle around and, but it wasn't for me, it was just like staring at the notes and just, it was, you know, I mean, I, that's actually one thing I, I, I loved about doing it was, I think it's a, a great thing for your kids to see you working hard at something that you are really bad at. I think it's great. Cause you know, we tend to, want to pursue the things we're good at. And I think it's important to pursue the things that you're not to some extent, not if it makes you miserable. And um, for them to like see me working hard and not be good at and for them to 
realize that some of the things that come easy for them don't for other people. So, it, it, and I think that the experience of always learning things you're good at and things that you're really not is so great because you can be really, really sympathetic to people that you're teaching to dog train. Like we think of things that are so easy, like, okay, you're teaching stay. All right. You're going to ask them to sit. You're going to give them a treat. You're going to say, stay. You're going to take one step back. You're going to give it. It's like, that's huge. And for us, it's just like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, we do that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and to, like just when someone taught me a phone system one time at work, I, I was kind of laughing. I was like, oh, I need to remember this. Cause like sit, stay, like, <laughs> like okay, you push this button. Okay. You do this, do this. I was yeah. like, I'm just like staring at them and thinking, well, when they leave, well, I guess I'll look at the manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well hang up on everyone yeah <laughs> why not right mix it up a little just for fun and I think and it goes both ways as well I've I've certainly um worked with some people that have never even engaged in formal formal you know some kind of dog training experience um or used a clicker I uh, remember one lady I I went uh, to see her and I hope this doesn't sound too horrible, but it was in a quite a rough part of, of Southampton and you kind of rock up and you think, mm, this is a bit, is this going to be a bit dodgy? Um, and I went in and she was amazing. She just got it. Like the timing, um, the, the concepts, what she had to do. She was just absolutely fantastic. She, she looked like a professional trainer, and she'd never done any of it before. And we were walking along, you know, Southampton streets. She's holding the lead and she's got her treat pouch and she's doing a clicker, you know, and I just, it was, it was amazing. And, and she, she'd never even thought that she would be able to do something like that. And, you know, giving her the feedback. Um, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was probably a little bit over the top to be honest but it was it was so amazing it was great and it's um, wonderful when you work with people some people I mean you know like I, I'm happy to, to teach anyone to train dogs and some people that just no doubt they're just naturals and they just mm, get it mm. and some of them it's really hard and I think some of it has to do with how they learn like some people are very physical in their learning and if they watch you and they mirror you and, and you know then they really that's helpful and some people and I'm more like this type of things I learn that are physical I have to replay them in my mind with words. Like I'm, I'm, you know, this is not shocking for an author. Like I'm a very verbal person and I really, <laughs> like I don't, I'm not as visual or, or as kinetic. I, I always think of it in words. Like, so if someone, like when I was learning how to dog train, I, would, I wouldn't think to myself, oh, I'm gonna move my arm like this. I'm like, okay, I need that to be, I need my arm to be at a 90 degree angle with my palm like this. Like I was putting it into words in a descriptive way. Mm. But if I gave that degree of detail to some people, instead of saying like, try it more like this and, and just showing them that, you know, mm -hmm. if, I did, if, if I played what's going on in my mind verbally to most of my clients, um, they would run away. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, you know, it's important to understand how different people do it, but I love it when someone's just, just like really, really gets it. Like they just take to it. It's yeah. always and very exciting. You know, that, that comes back to the book really about treating everyone like a dog because we would always adapt our training plans for the the skills and the ability and the understanding of a dog and we need to be able to do the same for their their person really yeah i agree i mean i think when you when you you know like i feel like if you you know try to use a tennis ball in training and the dog looks at it like well you go get it you're like oh i'm not gonna i'm not, that's that's not an avenue to pursue but if you're <laughs> trying to do something with a person in a certain way and say like you're praising them and you're like i could be really gushy it's just my natural way and they look sort of uncomfortable i'd be like okay that doesn't work for them i just need to be like excellent 
let's proceed you know like just ha- you, you yeah know, yeah I think, yeah yeah i think it's for like, some people you jump up and down and hug and yay but it's not for everyone <laughs> right and i think part of the fun is like i mean i try to you know understand the people and the dogs I'm working with and treat them in a way that's most effective for them. And, you know, of course I'm thrilled when I get it right and we really connect, but sometimes it's a really good story when I super misread them and super blow it. And I feel bad because I'm trying to do the most effective teaching and training, but sometimes, you know, you do, you are like, well, you know, that there's room for improvement there with me and my connection with that person. <laughs> you know, you don't always, sometimes it's a miss. There's, a, sure. there's a, a really, really nice part of the book, actually, where you talk about different learning styles and how and how um, how you can apply that to people as well as dogs. I rem- it reminded me of um, I think it's Chris Packle. Um, uh, the veterinarian. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to an interview with him once and he said that at the beginning of all his consults, one of the first questions he asked people was, was um, how do you like to learn? Do you, would you like me to show you? Would you like me to talk you through it? Do you want you to do it yourself? What, do, you, do you want to t- shoot a video? And I, I, that always stuck with me. And I've kind of done that um, myself quite a lot because every, everyone's different. Everyone's completely different. And people are like, oh, I, I can just video you doing it. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You know, just, mm-hmm. just go ahead and do it. And yeah, and some people want written notes. Some people want bullet points. Some people, you know, want to just do it. Just just describe it. I'll do it. You know, I'll learn as I'm doing it. That kind of, I'm, I'm a bit of a learn as I do it kind of guy, I think. When I was reading through all of your, your different types of learners, that's the one that really spoke to me. Huh. That's cool. I mean, that's interesting to know about you. I think it's great that you ask, like to ask people what ways they like to learn. And one thing I think that's interesting is then as the teacher, you have to do it in all these different ways. And that it has the great benefit of teaching you different ways to instruct, Mm. you know, and I think that's kind of cool. One thing that I think is tricky is when you work with a whole family and all the members of the family really (laughs) would benefit from different things. (laughs) I find that to be very interesting, but very challenging. It's like, well, I can't do all four of these things simultaneously. And if I do them sequentially, that's going to get boring, you know, (laughs) kind of, you know, mix that up a bit. Yeah. That's really interesting because I always like encourage families to come along to my classes, uh, like the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned, but yeah, I've never really thought of it from that sort of that sort of aspect of like, oh, okay, you could have four people there now that need to do this in a completely different way. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. Right, and part of it, some of it's sort of what I would call like the bravery factor. Like some of them are just like totally willing to jump in and give it a try. And if they screw up, well, then so be it, they'll get better. And that often is true of younger kids. They're so used to learning things all the time. Mm. And I think also like younger people, I always joke that like you can get a bunch of kindergartners together and tell them to get in a circle and they'll do it in like four seconds. But you tell a bunch of adults to get in a circle and it's just like the super awkward thing. Like we're out of practice for that or we're not willing to just all hold hands and back up and make a circle all simply. And it sort of attends on what stage of life you're in, what current experiences you're having. It's not that adults have lost the ability to form a circle or do whatever. It's just we don't do it in daily life like little kids do. So I think it's kind of fun to see just how it falls out on age too which is not really related to anything i've written in the book but i just have always found that interesting about learning <laughs> mm, yeah I, definitely i don't know if this is sexist but is, is it mostly older men that are like <laughs> the worst to learn in your experience <laughs> i haven't really i haven't really found that um it, it is interesting though like if you look at scientific studies of primates in general the older males are often slowest to adopt new strategies that's been shown with macaques that usually it's younger females and then the older females and then you know older males can't remember where the young males fit in but in terms of like adopting um, they're out they're new out. things <laughs> yeah but I, I don't know what kind of studies have been done with um 
with people with that, like in terms of like who's, you know, who's comfortable with the status quo and who wants to change. I think your premise is not without foundation, <laughs> but I haven't seen a huge thing with that. I found that if I were going to generalize about who's really um, good at things, it's people that are in careers that require practice. So dancers, musicians, athletes, artists, often are quite good. There's an athletic aspect of dog training. So people who are just really coordinated. I mean, for some people, literally, it is very hard to hold a leash, a clicker, you know, yeah. and treats. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, and, yeah. and like, and who among us has not like had a little, you know, something they might not want on video in terms of a clumsy leash or clicker incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. We all have the clicker. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, but um, some people, it's just a little more natural with the coordination. Um, and I find that people who have jobs where it's their job to argue, like frequently attorneys, are sometimes very much play devil's advocate with me. And I used to think, oh, well, they're just not accepting it. But I realized it's just their way of really solidifying the full um, um, like path they're going to take. They want to iron out every detail. And I remember used to think like, well, every time I have attorneys in here, I feel like they're arguing with me. But it's like, no, they're just that's just part of their um, I'm generalizing that, yeah, it's not true of all of them, but I've noticed that as a, as a trend. Um, I find that sometimes like teachers are really like elementary school teachers are often really good with like, okay, we're going to set up a schedule and we're going to organize this. Like you're mm-hmm. going to be in charge of teaching this to the dog and mm-hmm. you're going to do that, that kind of thing. Um, and then every, almost everyone has something with their training they're really good at. And then, you know, like really not like one of the things I feel like often happens to me is if, cause I love capturing behavior. If I'm trying to work with something with a dog and then they do something else, I'll, I'll switch tack immediately and try to capture it. And yeah. the result is that sometimes I feel like I end up with dogs that throw that behavior or they, I was working with one dog and they just always seem to want to throw novel behaviors. And I'm like, Oh my God, there's so many great things this dog's capturing. And I'm like, Oh, I think this dog has figured out that every time they do something different, I move on that. So that was kind of interesting. Cause I think that was a reinforcement error on my part, but the first thing they did, I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. I want to capture that. I don't want to miss that. <laughs> and they kept throwing other things. And I'm like, Oh, huh interesting we've really gone down a rabbit hole of novelty here which is fun well you know it they're riding a bike juggling (laughs) (laughs) right right and they leap from the bike to the chandelier you know (laughs) yeah Um, but some dogs if you try to capture something when they're trying to do something else they can get very confused and you really have to focus but that's something i tend to do because i just I always see things I'm like, oh, that'd make a cool trick or that'd be the first step towards a cool trick that's sort of the direction i air if anything yeah, I it, that kind of reminds me of a story. I remember I was working with a couple that uh, uh, had come to me to teach a recall, um, and their their dog. They're basically, they've been going to this sort of enclosed public space and letting their dog just free run and play with dogs for about a year. The dog was about a year, two months old, and. So he just, whenever he was in a field or an environment or something like that, he was just scanning for the next dog, scanning, 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 not paying them any attention whatsoever. And it was quite, you know, the the, the console was quite difficult to get any sort of attention um, from this dog. He was lovely, lovely boy he was. Um, but I, I remember we were going through like some of, some of the normal things that I would do for recall, but this guy was just not, he was not into it. He was just scanning the horizon. I'm kind of thinking, wow, this probably isn't the right sort of environment. I remember looking over and the the girl that was with them just she just said legs to him and he ran you know like a middle like ran round the back poked his head through and sat sort of like looking up at her and I was like oh I was like you you taught him to do that and he's like yeah 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 he loves doing this he's done it since <sighs> he was a puppy absolutely adores it and I was like oh have you have you ever used that as like a recall before and she was like 
no, no, never thought of doing it as a recall. Then we went <laughs> out into the main field and he was just sublime. This was like, so like from any point, anyone said legs pointed, he was down, back, bang, looking up at them. And I, I know it's not shaping as such, but it's a kind of a, a similar, you know, a similar, well, they might've shaped it to get the baby in the first place. But it's that kind of mindset shift, isn't it? From from sort of like what, what, I, what I want a recall. I think a recall is going to be like, I call my dog and my dog comes. Uh, I can't do that. He's too distracted. But there's this other behavior that we've never used as a recall before because it doesn't matter. I mean, if you get your dog back, you get your dog back. However you do it, if it's a hand touch. Completely. If yeah, if it's right. a middle. So for safety, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I always that always stuck with me. It kind of reminded me what you were saying then. I think that's an amazing story. And I love that. It's like she had a recall. She just didn't yeah. call it as such. And it wasn't to mm. come or hear. I actually wrote an article a couple of years ago for the Bark magazine called An Accidental Recall. And oh, I was really? saying that... So often, well, people will say like, oh, my dog doesn't come, you know, when called. And I always ask, well, have you trained your dog to do that? And signs are people are like, well, no, but I just think people expect dogs to come and expect Mm. them to shake and high five. It's just, that's what dogs do. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But not without training, but almost everybody that um, has some kind of a recall on their dog. Like, and and I tell people like, yeah, it's not great for training, but like if the dog gets out, if there's car, do whatever, like tell them we're going for a ride, tell them we're going for a walk, rattle the treat bag, you know, start the can opener. Yeah. Those are all recalls. And I always tell people one of the best ways that you can teach a recall is to think about what you do where you know your dog's going to be coming to you in a second and do that for your recall, like your word calm or here or Mm -hmm. this way or whatever. Because with those things, like every time people say it's dinner, the dog gets fed. Every time you pick up the Mm -hmm. leash or almost every time you do go for a walk. And I think one of the big mistakes that people make with recall training or not mistakes, I should say like voids is that they don't reinforce, you know, they like might give them a biscuit most time. And I'm like, no, it's like, not like a biscuit or a cracker type thing. Like you need to be like, they need to get like a hot dog, a piece of chicken, a piece of steak like, you know, sort of whatever, you know, and if they get that every time, I mean, a lot of people have taught a recall to their dog, but they haven't done it as such, you know, and, yeah. and obviously for that person to get that middle behavior with her dog, that takes a lot of work. And yeah, maybe that was something the dog naturally liked. Some, some dogs might take to that less easier, you know, they might do, you know, they might be more into, you know, rolling over or something, but the thing that they love to do, if they know that they do it associated with your body, like near you, then that can make a wonderful recall. I often find people of it's sort of tracked back along the queue line, if you know what I mean. So people will call their dogs in from the garden when they've got a puppy. And they'll call them in and they'll give them a bit of sausage. They'll call them in, they'll give them a bit of sausage. Call them in, give them a bit of sausage. Then we get a little bit lax, don't we? We call them in sometimes and then we go out or we call them in, shut the door and nothing happens. And then the dogs start to learn, well, I guess the humans, the dogs start doing a bit of doggy arithmetic in the garden when they're looking at the pigeon. They're thinking, <laughs> Hang on a minute. Sometimes they call me and they go out. So I'm not going to come back in. So what we then do is we go and rustle a packet or shake a tin or go to the fridge. And then that becomes a really reliable recall because you're not going to open your fridge door and your dog's going to run in and you're not going to give them something unless you're incredibly mean, you know? So, right. they're, then, so they're then looking for that really, really super reliable recall. And it's exactly what you've just said. It, it just doesn't, you know, it is a recall like opening the fridge door is a recall it's not the recall you want particularly i mean does it matter in the in the grand scheme of things probably not but, but it's still a cue that they yeah. associate with getting it and it's not poisoned at all like the the actual recall you're trying to use if sometimes you like leave them while you head out to work or whatever that is a poisoned cue you know what you're saying about like oh well let's try this like the dog was so distracted in the field or the dog doesn't want to come in from the garden 
I think something that we as dog trainers are always doing is thinking about like, what is the reinforcement strategy and where should it go? And, oh, let's change, let's change. Like, well, okay, that's not working. So let's try this. And I think that's where we sometimes fall a bit short when we try to teach people things. We tend to be like, this is how we teach people. You know, maybe we adjust for learning style, but we're not quick to be like, okay, what should I do? Like, this isn't working or it's not as effective as I would like. Let's try something else or let's make a switch. I think with people, we tend to be like, like, you know, it's essentially like you just walking into the wall and banging your head on it. Well, it's still not working. You know, just yeah, like, yeah. you know, mm. and I think with dogs, we tend to take more of the responsibility. And I think that is one of the main reasons I, I use the title for the book, treat everyone like a dog. Cause one of the things we do is if the dog's not learning, we take responsibility. Like what can I do to make this easier? How can I set the dog up for success? Do I need to change the reinforcement? Are there too many distractions? And with people, we tend to not be like, what can I do? We tend, you know, the human tendency is to be like, they're not, doing what I want them to do instead of us figuring out how can I get them to, you know, how can I make it work for them? But I think that's, that's a massive downfall of, of um, having verbal communication as our, our kind of main way of communicating. It's not because we do lots of body stuff and all sorts. And that's what we're picking up with dogs when we're changing our tact, but with people, I mean, you know, the classic example is someone being in a country that speaks a language they don't understand and speaking louder and slower mm-hmm. and but still saying the same thing <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it... don't ever come to france with me <laughs> i think um one of the one of the really good things that that um has kind of changed uh the success rate of um working with clients for me personally because sometimes I get people that have been through five or six trainers and behaviorists before they've spent a lot of money and the first thing I will ask them um is what did they do that didn't work you know why didn't it work with them because sometimes they're really good trainers I'm like well you saw this person I know they can help They're, they're really good but what didn't work and you know, sometimes it's, oh, well, we only ever went to a field or they didn't come to the home or sometimes it's, um, well, they, they did all the training and I didn't know how to, to do it myself. And that Mm. can give you loads of, you know, not knocking anyone at all, but just gives you more information about what that person actually needs. Mm. Right. Yeah. If you can find out what they've done so far, I, I often find too, that people have been to multiple people. One of the things that that makes me sad is people, you can tell people are at the end of their rope when they yeah. say, I've tried everything. <laughs> yeah. um, they probably don't totally believe that or they wouldn't um, come to me if they feel like they've already tried everything. Why mm. would they come to me? You know, hopefully I'm going to have some things they haven't tried yet or figure out a way to make it work for them. But yeah, people do really feel sort of at the end of their tether. Lots of times by the time people come to me, they've, you know, um, I mean, sometimes I'm their first go, but lots of times you know, they've, they have tried a bunch of different things and they already come very discouraged, which is mm. why I think it's all the more important to like, like, clearly they're trying, clearly they care, clearly they really want to help their dog. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, clearly they really need a success. Like they really need, you know, a victory to, to sort of get back on track with the feeling of the energy to, to work on it. Mm. I mean, it's, it's difficult. I mean, trying to communicate a really lot of complex behavioral desires towards a member of another species is not, um, you know, it's not a simple matter. Sometimes when I am doing dog training, I love the complexity of it. And sometimes that's what I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I find it so difficult on that point there. 
or heart i think heartbreaking is probably the right thing is that how many people come in with the, a huge amount of guilt you know um I, I really like i was speaking to someone today this woman she got a little bit choked up because she's like i felt like i'm failing my dog it's five month old you know happy little go lucky dog it was like you know the I, she was doing great, but she had this. Oh, it's this Steve Mann. I remember now, and we we interviewed a trainer over here called Steve Mann, and he had a quote that uh, that you get two types of two types of dog owners: those that don't care, and I never see them, and those that have got are carrying so much guilt they could start their own religion, and they're the people that I tend to see. Like that thing in like, oh, I love that. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? And it's like you know, if you if you you've turned up at my at my gate, you know, and you want to do then happy days you're here you know you obviously care about your dog that's like that's the win that's a win as far as i'm concerned and i always find it sad because so many people do so many people feel a massive weight of mm. responsibility and guilt i mean there is responsibility obviously but what the guilt right is, yeah you, know. you want them to feel some responsibility but yeah. not guilt and you don't want that responsibility to be so heavy it's weighing on them i find that too especially because i work with aggression cases and mm. so much and so many people believe and so many people with aggressive dogs are told like oh you know that whole there are no bad dogs or only bad owners well sometimes i meet with people and they've you know they've had 15 dogs in their lifetime and they've all been like lovely wonderful like you know and then they have this very difficult one with a bite history or that's behaving aggressive in some other way it's like well, they didn't mess up the first 15 dogs. What makes someone think that, you know, that some dogs just come with a little more baggage. And one of the things I always like to, you know, let people know is like, you know, like I've had dogs who've gotten in the trash. I used to have a dog that was reactive and aggressive to other dogs on leash. Fine. Not up, not on leash. And I know what it's like when I used to live on a farm with him and then I moved to a neighborhood. And that's when I discovered how reactive he was to dogs <laughs> when he was on leash. And, um, and I worked up with it on him and, and, you know, made tremendous progress and I was very proud of it, but I know what it's like to be that lady walking that dog through the mm-hmm. neighborhood where you feel like people are looking at you, where people would be like, that lady needs to go see a dog trainer. It's like, I am a dog trainer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh my um, God. I, yeah. Every day of my life. <laughs> and I, I always tell people like, I really encourage people just like to, to throw that guilt away, you know, I, as much as I can. And people do come to me with such such shame. And I, I mean, I think it's the same with parents and with dog owners that mm. it sort of seems like, of course, the way our children act and the way our dogs act is not, you know, totally unique and separate from us. But the idea that it's a complete reflection of our moral character and everything that we are is really sad. And it's one of the reasons I love using, this is not really related to what we're talking about, but I love using play to treat aggression, which I do in a lot of cases, mm. at least in some element of the training, because people come and they feel so hopeless, like, oh, you know, this is you know, this is our life. It's never going to get better. And, and I think if they feel like, oh, well, we're going to use fetch as a way to redirect the dog or to reinforce him for doing the right thing or to turn his energy in the right direction, like, oh, he's aggressive, but we're going to play it away. I guess it's not that bad because <laughs> um, I, I really have tremendous respect and compassion for all the clients that I work with in terms of I, I recognize what a big deal it is to come to someone and say, like, my dog is doing this and I'm, I'm stuck and, you know, and like to feel that way. And I think part of the reason people feel guilt is there's sort of an assumption in our society that everybody knows how to train a dog, that it's just like intuitive and instinctive. And it's just a natural human condition. And that is absolutely not the case. Like, I mean, I've been training dogs since 1997 and I've get better and better like every week and every month. And I'm always excited when I learn something new um, or, I get a little better at something and you know, that's after decades. It's, there's nothing natural about it, you know? And I think people assume that if you're a good kind person and you care, then you can really effectively train your dog at a highly skilled level. It's like, would you say that's true about deriving Schrodinger's wave equations? I mean, it's absurd. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, completely. And I think um, part of that 
sort of failure complex that we we have as as owners sometimes can come from um you know all the information out there that that it's about it's just about training and that if if your dog is behaving a certain way then it's because you failed in the training and it's like well there's a lot of rescue dogs around there are a lot of aversive experiences that happen to puppies you know there's all sorts of things that can lead to um behaviors that aren't you know particularly accepted in in human society um and i think yeah we need to give clients more uh kind of ownership over the fact that it's it they're working on it and uh, that's all that's all you can do really you can look at the dog in front of you and you can work on it yeah definitely definitely and I think you're right about this is this failure of training that if we just train them and so often with the cases you know I'm both a behaviorist and a trainer and mm. so often with the cases I'm seeing it's like I obviously use training to help them but it's not a training I'm, I tell them like this is about like you say a dog's biting people because it's afraid of strangers it's like it's not that you haven't trained your dog to greet properly it's like your dog is so fearful and so panicky that it's behaving in this way as yeah, we all exactly. behave in our worst way when we're panicky so I say like we're going to be working on training your dog to help us but this is not a training problem per se this is an issue of how your dog feels and we're going to help your dog to feel better yeah. that is going to make the behavior you know and um improve and i yeah i do think there's such the idea too that the, the training is always perfection i mean obviously all of us have obviously trained dogs but like have you ever had one that was like a robot that did everything right oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i wouldn't even want that no no i mean the closest i've got to that is uh working in assistance dog training and it it freaked me out <laughs> it was uh, it was too much too much control uh, they do an amazing job. That, don't get me wrong; it's just not for me. I I am more of a carefree, let's skip through the meadow type person. Yeah, let them be a and, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, some dogs are cut out for it, and some aren't. But um, uh, I'm conscious of time, and I have to have to talk to you about how to train your dragon. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> My favorite trilogy of films, apart from Indiana Jones, but then they added another one in, um, and Jurassic Park, but then they've ruined it. Um, <laughs> so so um, I, I love that. The first film, I think, should a DVD copy should come with every puppy. It's, it's brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? It just sort of looks at all the aspects in a really good way. And I'm, I'm so glad that there's something in print that um kind of depicts some of the training and learning theory and the four quadrants to do with essentially a, a child's film <laughs> yeah well i'm 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 glad that i was able to write that part for you i did not know this, obviously yeah. in retrospect i would have written it for you directly yeah i really love it and one of my favorite parts about it is that hiccup really is like i don't want to be this way like everything they, they know about you is wrong like he I feel like he really kind of takes that motto of like there has to be a better kinder mm -hmm. more you know um cooperative way uh because I really think that he really shows the whole spirit of cooperation like that whole movie the whole trilogy I mean I love all the movies but I really 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 love the first ones yeah and yeah, two, yeah like yeah. also great if that makes sense yeah um but they I could have I love... stopped there but I'm glad they didn't but you know the first one is still the, the biggest and the best yeah the first one could have stood alone but i am glad they did the others as well mm. um but the, um just 
that that idea of that cooperation, that cooperative look at things. And um, and I, you know, I just love how you know just you know he didn't have the force and power. He didn't have the strength to do it. Maybe the way or or the sort of mindset and, yeah. and emotional ability to be cruel either. But I feel like because he wasn't able to use force, he found power in a gentler way. And I really, you know, that old saying, like, force is the absence of true power. Like, if you have to shove your dog into the car, you don't really have control yeah. over your dog. Whereas you can just say up and they go. That's a whole nother kind mm -hmm. of power and leadership. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. And also it's just kind of a victory for the little guy. And I'm always a fan of a victory for the little guy. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I think, it's really interesting when you kind of break it down without being too, you know, philosophical about what is essentially a cartoon. Um, <laughs> if anyone hasn't watched it, please, please do. Um, but I feel like, you know, the fact that um, Hiccup loses his leg um, and it they've got that kind of thing in common, that compassion, that empathy, it really strikes with a lot of, of what I feel as a dog training behaviorist and what, what sort of draws me to working in, in welfare, basically. Oh, yeah, I think that's cool. I like that. I mean, I'm sorry that he, you know, did have to be, you know, lose a limb, but it, mm. it is like, it just shows they, they really are. I mean, it really shows, um, you know, that they really are the closest individual to each other. I mean, and I know you're saying like, it's a cartoon, it's animated, but I, I like, I, I mean, I, I understand it's a children's film and could people could like sort of roll their eyes at me, but I think it's a beautiful story. Uh, so do I. I'm, I'm only being <laughs> self-deprecating because I'm worried that people might listen to it. Oh, no, hey, nah, hey, come that... on, man. You're an educated woman. Why are you watching these, these films? But it's amazing. That it, scene. It's really well done. The scene where he like, puts his arm out and he's yeah. like oh, God, going, yeah. I, I bawled like a baby when yeah. I saw that I really did yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. great it's a great film it is wonderful. yeah I good well the three of us agree then and that's all that matters okay. yeah exactly we should have a it's... private viewing party <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely uh, well i have kids who are almost 16 and 17 and they had some friends over we you know they were, were still kind of in seeing doing things outdoors but they were out on our deck we have a screen and a projector and they were watching how to train your dragon and oh. i don't know that they were viewing it with all the same insights that we were but you know it's not just for little kids for sure I, oh yeah i think but i think if i watched it with you guys I'd be pausing it every two minutes. It would take us about six hours to watch. I'd be like, oh, did you see that? <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of interesting. Like it was obviously consciously done by the movie makers to yeah. do like the dog and training yeah. thing because they, it wasn't that they made up these sort of like an ethogram of, of, of like behavior patterns for the dragon. Like the dragon basically play bows and wags its tail yeah. and sniffs. And, yeah. I mean, it's very, I mean, it's very, you know, uh, sort of a uh, uh, man's best friend kind of approach mm -hmm. with hiccups. So. I don't know. Well, good. I'm so glad that you like that part of the book, Natalie. I, I loved it. I <laughs> absolutely loved it and was so excited to see it in there because I've been thinking that for a while about um, film, a film that I love. So thank you for <laughs> sharing the love. <laughs> You're welcome. Happy to do it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really conscious that we've kept you for over an hour now, Karen. Um, thank you so much for coming on and chatting. Yeah, thank it's, you. it's a wonderful. It's I don't know if you know about the sort of like um, the layout of our podcast. So we, we would have already talked about um, different sections of the book and stuff like that. Um, and we'll go on to have another little chat about some things. We have different segments, the Greg Wallace moment, which is uh, like a mic drop moment of the book and things like that. So yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you think when you, when you do get around to listening to it. 
Yeah, I, I do look forward to listening to it. And I do listen to your podcast. I listen to oh, wow. some of the ones I listen to. I listen to the one of my favorites was the one with Ken Ramirez, who, by the way, does have a an essay in his eye of the trainer where he does discuss movies and how it makes him think of trainers. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember if you discuss it with him. And then Clive Wynn, who just lives a couple hours from me. And I was sitting next to it at a three-day conference one time. It really enhanced the conference for me and hopefully for him, but I know for me. And yeah, I've listened <laughs> to a bunch of yours and I like it. I, I love the way you guys talk about the book ahead of time. I'll be eager to hear hear what you say. And yeah, and it's just a pleasure to, to talk with you. And I am uh, just so happy to get the chance. I love to talk about dogs, especially with like-minded people. Brilliant. Yes. Oh, it's thank been you. lovely. Thank you so much. We have to and get thank, a photo. Thank you for our hard copies as well. Oh. oh, sure. I live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. let's do, should we do a photo? Although I look a bit moonlit now, don't I? It's a bit dark. Well, I do too. I've got a skylight coming in. How do you do a photo? Do you do Just a photo? Just do a screenshot. Of... Yeah, I'll do a screenshot. So um, I'll give you a three, two, one. I'll hold okay. the book up. Okay. Should I take my headset out? You can do. No, nah, yeah, you can do. Or I'm, you. I'm leaving mine on. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Three, two, one. Lovely. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. You know, I couldn't hear you one, two, three with my headphones out, so I just yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching your body language and I think I I think I was smiling at that well, time. If, if I look very cross, you let me know. <laughs> no, you look gorgeous. And you got him. yeah watching body language is what we're all about anyway isn't it so who needs verbal communication honestly right <laughs> what has that ever done for people exactly <laughs> thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure um it's been lovely. oh yeah likewise thank you very much for having me on the podcast and if anything comes up with editing or if there i know i had a bunch of background noise or whatever if you need to re-record anything just let me know that sometimes happens oh i didn't i didn't even notice any background sounded noise. great yeah it sounded good is there anything, oh, okay. um, obviously we'll put a link to the book on the um, the podcast link. Anything else you want to plug? If you've got a website, that kind of thing. Um, well, probably the best thing, if, if I'd love to have, just have it mentioned that my, my Instagram is Karen London Dog Behavior. Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, that would be great. Do you want me to send that to you by email or is it good as I've said it? Oh, and I have behavior spelled without the U. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm a terrible speller and I left the U out. <laughs> I feel like with my last name, London, like, you know, that people could get, you know, mixed up. And all that really means is that I take my tea very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good on you. <laughs> I should. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, thank you. Um, uh, Nat, can you hang around afterwards? Is that all right? Just for a second. Yeah, I'll hang around. Yeah. Okay. Right. We're doing, are we doing real bye to Karen then? Real bye to Karen. Okay. All right. All right, bye. Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye, Karen. Thank you. Well, there we go. Karen London. Isn't she lovely? Yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Again, just... Lovely lady. Just want to tell you... Sometimes when you get to the end and you're sort of like looking at recording, you're looking at you've been recording for an hour, I get all panicky. I'm like, oh, I had loads of things I wanted to ask. I know. Her, but, I'm um, so sorry. I jumped in. I could sorry? not... Well, because I I could not not talk to her about... Oh, God, yeah. Film. No, 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 no. We had okay? to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's, that's written on my... It's written on my list, look. Oh, how, to, how to train your dragon oh oh there's the 
there's loads that you didn't get to say. I got most of it. I got most of it out. This is my. This is what happens. I always, I always overwrite questions and then, and then try and make it sound like I haven't just got a long list of questions. <laughs> I've, I've written down, <laughs> trying to seamlessly go into them off of the back of what other people say. I don't think I get it right all the time, but um, but oh no, wow, you fascinating. You're, you're brilliant. It was really, really good. Really good. Um, and we should all try and treat everyone like a dog we should we should if if i uh, yeah yeah if i i often think about coming back like getting reincarnated maybe as one of my dogs bit weird because then i'd be my that doesn't really work does no because then be you can't own. look after yourself yeah not that i'd want to but i i yeah coming back as a well-treated dog would be pretty good wouldn't it yeah best life but, ever you know sod's law you end up somewhere mm. horrible yeah with a shot collar on yeah <laughs> so everyone go out get that book get treat everyone like a dog by karen london yeah uh, and go on uh whatever telly thing you do and and watch how to train your dragon yeah well we should do maybe that's something we could do for the bookshelvers Maybe we could do like a, a synced up watch of uh, How to Train a Dragon on the Patreon. Oh my gosh. With wine yeah. and, uh, and and tissues. A group watch of, oh my God, you've just basically made my day. <laughs> Maybe that's what we can do. I've been trying to think of special things we can do for the for the patrons on the Patreon page. And I think um, I think that would be quite a good start, wouldn't it? A pe- a pizza party with wine, group watch of How to Train Your Dragon, where we can that's, all just, uh, you know. Write, that sounds like write. the best thing ever. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Right. Um, speaking of doing it, who's that at the door? I don't know, but he's got some serious abs. Oh, the abs. Oh, my I Lord. The, I can see them through the frosted glass <laughs> and they are pumping. <laughs> Is it Wallace time? Whoa! It's a Greg Wallace moment. <laughs> Ooh, it's Greg time. <laughs> Lock up your daughters. Here he comes, Greggy. <laughs> I got to see. I got to see the actual Greg postcard yeah, live, you did. didn't I? Um, yeah. Which is, which is really oh, nice. we should have taken a. A socially distanced photo with I'm, Greg in between us. I need a scan of it or something that I can put yeah, up in my office. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll get it. I'll get it photocopied. Absolutely um, amazing. Okay, right here we go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, Karen's talking about a book that she read, which has gone on the list as well. Goodness mm. sake! <laughs> more books, more shelves. Called yes, fifty scientifically proven ways to be persuasive. By mm. Noah J. Goldstein, mm. Steve J. Martin, and Robert Cialdini. Easy for you to say. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is the sentence that I thought was was really good from okay. that book. <clears throat> One of the best things I learned from this book about being persuasive was that the magic word isn't please, it's because. Ah. Uh... I like it. I like it. So put, but so why, why, yeah. the why, why do it? Yeah. 
I got overexcited and shut the book, but I'll give you a bit more. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's got to be a reason. People what's, what's more naturally respond to requests that include a reason, even if it's nonsensical. Really? In other words, you're far more likely to convince people to do something if you give a reason, whether or not that reason makes sense. So the examples are, may I please go ahead of you in the line um, because I'm in a rush to get this done to meet with my supervisor. That's the normal one. Or may I please go ahead of you in the line because the buses are running so late, it's got everyone flummoxed. Doesn't matter. It's just the fact that it's a reason. Just a reason. How would that equate into into dogs? Because you can't really give them a reason, can you? No, but it it well, we kind of do, don't we? I guess I guess in our right, whole kind of is it motivating approach? Yeah. yeah, and so I I just the reason this was my wow moment was because I thought, okay, that's the bridge between um, training dogs and training people. Hmm. Okay. We need a reason. We need a because, not a please. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, what's the, oh God, this is what the whole thing I've forgotten. Oh, we need a please as well. The whole thing. And there's another similar type. They need help, not a correction. At the beginning of the book, there's a lovely bit about that of, of, of like, you know, uh, how quick we are to correct something when actually a lot of people actually just need help. And and that's what you just said. There is another little one you can add into the little. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's a good Greggy moment, that is, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So I was th- when I was reading this, I was thinking about my my little niece, and I was thinking, okay, um, if I said, please don't climb on that, is that different to say, please don't climb on that because it's my favourite and you might break it, mm. or please don't climb on that because you might fall and hurt yourself. Mm. So do we actually do that in conversations? Do we give a reason or do we just? Say, don't do that. I, I think for me, this is like the book has uh, opened up ideas of like Karen noticing and correcting her own behavior or <laughs> not, you know what I mean? Not yeah. in that sense of, of, of that, but with the editor letter, yeah, she realized and then she did something about it. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's the first step to behavior change is, is realizing that actually I have just asked without giving a, a reason. And then adjusting yeah. accordingly. Yeah. The only, the, it got me thinking there a little bit about, because um, it used to do my Sweden. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just one bloodshot eye. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I kind of, I, I like the reason. The, the bit I'm struggling with a little bit is even if the reason isn't doesn't mean nothing because okay. you know what I always used to get from my mum is don't do that why because I said so uh, and okay uh, I, I get that I, I think I'm, but do you know what I think that might have been coming across maybe more as a threat as like an aversive because if you ask me again then uh, I might chase you around the house with a clothes brush or something maybe and there's yeah there's lots of factors of you know your relationship there Whereas I guess this is more of a mm. <clears throat> a formal relationship. I don't. I don't know. I yeah. don't know enough about it. But we can. No, ask. no, no. A half a decade of therapy agree- <laughs> agrees with him as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. No. Um, yeah, interesting. That's really, really good. I like that as a as a Greggy. I hope um, that was an interesting wow. Anyway, I'll try and for something wow. slightly different. It was a wow, and I'm gonna I'm gonna implement that into my life immediately i feel like it was kind of a 
Wow. It kind of throws up a challenge, doesn't it? It's like how mm. how much of a crazy reason can you get in front of someone in the queue? <laughs> like what can you yeah. what can you throw out there? And they would just do it because you've given them a reason. So that's kind of I'm not well, sure. maybe I think most of my reasons for things would actually be nonsensical to the person, but they mm. would be the complete truth. Like, please can I go in front of you in line because I want to get home to cuddle my dogs. Mm. Well, that's not nonsensical, though. That's something most people would, <laughs> not to most me. People would agree with that, wouldn't they? Um, yeah, I just could you say something like, I need to get in front of you. In, I need to get to in front of the queue. I need to get there. Sorry, mate, because the jelly's wobbling. <laughs> or something like that, you know, and just see I if think if, like, I, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, and, and maybe and then I and might then I'm going to leave the queue as well. <laughs> the jelly's wobbling. <laughs> Right. Okay. My uh, Greg Wallace moment is so. So this really rung true to me um, for a big reason. Um, but I think it's a great a great thing to bear in mind uh, when you're training, um, and something that can give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of of heart when things might go a bit a little bit wrong or seem like they're going a little bit south when you're trying to train mm-hmm. or influence the behaviour in some way, shape, or form. So <clears throat> this is it. So big setbacks often come right before big gains. Right? Ooh. That's the that's the that's the sentence. That is my Greg Wallace moment. I could slam book here, but I'm not gonna yeah. do a half slam. Um now uh, Karen goes on to talk about me might talk about Yes, this. I want I want more, I want more, I want more. She goes on to talk about um sometimes when so toilet training, um her children where uh, big setbacks have come before big gains. Um, but what really, what really, really got me, Greg Wallacing, on this one was the fact about at the, at the end there. She talks about um, she, the fact that she has learnt that she's ready to give a big talk when the practice beforehand goes really, really badly, um, and also, <laughs> and also um, the idea that uh, a lot of people in the theatre think if they have a disastrous rehearsal that means they're going to have a great opening night, you know? Um, okay. And actually, people have learned to become a bit, maybe it's superstition, but, but a bit sceptical if they have a really good rehearsal. That, oh, okay. oh yeah. God, it's all going to go the other way. Goes back the other way. But I have actual um, actual anecdotes of myself for this one because when I used to be in a band, when we were rehearsing songs, so we would like drill songs like, you know, if we had a new song come in, we'd, we'd piece it all together, a very collaborative affair, and then we'd just play it over and over and over again until it sort of like became like muscle memory. And, yeah. And it did. You know, this is why it Greg Wallace to me, because it did it always used to be the time before the time when you nailed it would always be a disaster. You might stop <laughs> in the middle, the drummer's doing some sort of crazy maths of his own over there while everyone else is <laughs> counting a different rhythm over the other side and... But then when you went back, it would normally be the time when you nailed it and everyone would be like super, super happy. So I, I like that. I like that as a as something just to remember. So if everything's going south, you know, maybe, you know, it's just it's just about to go really, really good just around yeah. the corner. So, you know, take heart. Take heart. I like that. Yeah. I like that very much. And a- I like your your example from your life as well. That's good. Oh, well, thank you um yeah it's um again the book's full of full of things the bit of the section afterwards is teaching complex behaviors going backward for forward progress um it, there's loads of things there's loads and loads of really really things that's obviously talking about chains 
Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but again, how, how that can affect you and, and your friends. And there's also another thing. And this was another one that I was going to do for Greg Wallace. You got to go and buy the book, everyone to read this, but there's a great, (laughs) a whole big section on learning styles, like different learning styles, talking about the once is enough learner, the innovative learner, the let's do it again learner. Um, and I actually sort of, uh, was able to zero in on what my learning style kind of is through reading that. So again, great. And if you're doing things like classes, I want to talk to Karen, um, again about this, maybe this is like a whole, maybe another whole podcast, but, um, if you're doing classes, understanding that everyone learns differently is a real, I think a real game changer. Um, and mm-hmm. how you can maybe try and implement that into your class so you cover as much as broader learning styles as possible. Um, I think that's a really, really interesting subject. Yeah, it is definitely. And yeah, just if it, even if it just gives you a bit of um, understanding that some people will be fine getting up and doing a demo, some will mm. die quietly inside. Um and yeah, you might need to explain things in a different way for it to get through. Um, and that's where I like to use the sort of stories and anecdotes, because yeah. I think you can explain things in a way that then becomes more real life. Mm. Being in the middle of a pandemic has actually thrown up some interesting things when it comes to classes and stuff. Obviously, you've got to be social distance. So you're not going to wander over and and like, you know, either ask someone to do a demo with their dog or or you know something like that so it's it's thrown up some interesting things about yeah. um i normally do i i've got a i fall back on demo with imaginary dog which is wonderful yeah. because they're impeccably behaved yeah um or <laughs> or talk through or work through it or sometimes i work through the steps bit by bit when everyone does it together but whenever i'm doing one-to-ones one of the first i think this was dr chris packle he's someone i'd love to get on the podcast he's really mm. really cool um, I think I listened to a podcast ages ago where he said this was about learning styles and he said that whenever he is doing a one-to-one one of the first questions he says is how do you like to learn you know do you like do, yeah. you, do you want to receive my 15 page report or would yeah. you would you just like to video me doing it while we're doing it um you know all that sort of thing you know do you, you yeah. know do you like to be shown do you like me to talk for it are you a, you know so many people have different ways of learning um yeah it, it's it's a really incredible um thing to start thinking about yeah i like that yeah should we put greg, a lot. greg back in his dungeon yeah go on then go on greg get With back his... in there go on, go on. <laughs> his gin his gym dungeon <laughs> his jumjin jimjin jimjim greg wallace's jimjin um he'll be out again next time folks don't worry and we do feed yeah. him we, we, we do yeah do. we do we give him um with a spoon buttery biscuit base <laughs> if no one's ever seen the the youtube video uh greg wallace buttery biscuit base uh go and immediately pause this. i mean where have you been all of your life <laughs> go, um pause it go watch it again turn us off yep. go to the internet and google buttery biscuit base greg wallace butter the butter, remix butter butter <laughs> buttery biscuit base uh i love it <laughs> Wobble, wobble. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't know who Greg was, this must be absolutely like, what? Oh, yeah, we're just, we're just talking complete garbage. One day. <laughs> One day we'll have Greg on. Yeah. Uh, but until that day, shall we answer some questions? Yes, let's. 
question, 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 question. Whoa, bumper sacker questions again. <laughs> one of our, <laughs> one of our, uh, one of the perks for our patrons is you get a guaranteed, guaranteed question or shout out. If any of our patrons want a little shout out, mm-hmm. we just randomly and they get to the top out. of the page and they get to the top and they of can the upload page. a audio thing if they want to, so their little voice goes on our. This is what podcast. we wanna we wanna start um, including this into our questions actually that people can um, just leave us a little audio message and we're gonna I'll edit it in and we'll have your voice. Mm. Your actual voices would be lovely to hear, wouldn't they? Um, Especially Greg's lovely voice. Oh, Greg's milky, manly, mm-hmm. lovely voice. Oh, I sometimes <laughs> listen to that on repeat when I'm in the bar. <laughs> right, what have we got then? Well, we've got we've actually got a question from, from Greg. Oh, lovely. So he's saying, having watched a TV show this week called Me and My Dog, The Ultimate Challenge, which was aired originally back in 2017. Very good show on iPlayer if you've not seen it. Naturally, Chirag's show um, also giving a great insight to dog training. If you had an unlimited budget and access to anyone on the planet, what dog-specific TV show would you produce? What would be the theme, concept, purpose of it? Okay, I've often thought about this. Can I jump straight in? Yeah. Am I allowed, as a caveat, am I allowed to leave ethics at the door with this one? Well, if you give a justification, I mean, it's your pitch. Go right. for it. Right, okay. No dogs involved. Just humans, right? Right. Okay. Um. Uh. I. I. I want a load of people. So a load of trainers that use aversive methods, mm-hmm. and a load of trainers that use non-aversive methods. Mm-hmm. And I want to. I want tasks. Okay. So we're going to use. Uh, there's going to be tasks for the positive reinforcement people. Okay. And tasks for the non-positive reinforcement people. Yeah. Uh. There's money to be won. Okay, but the money is only won by the people with the least amount of cortisol levels in their blood. <laughs> yeah, that's hey. my that's my TV show. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it. Some kind of challenge. Yeah, yeah. No dogs involved, just people. No dogs involved. Just I like that. People. I thought you were going to go for like a question time style debate. Yeah, that, that but yours sounds nice. more fun. That would be my. Yeah. That would be nice, wasn't it? That would be nice. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd actually commission that show. I think that'd be a bit silly. It might not get through ethics approval. No, it might not. But shot collars on people. But Greg was giving me um, freedom to yeah (laughs) to to leave well (laughs) to leave ethics at the door. Yeah, you know, uh, if you ever come around my house, that's what we ask. That's the little sign (laughs) on the front door. Leave your ethics at the door. Uh, Pick it up on the way out. Um, Yeah, what do you reckon, Nat? Yeah, I like yours. I would like to do uh, basically uh, goggle box, mm-hmm. but watching all the all the training TV shows um, and having a, a settee of rotating experts. So basically, everyone we've had on the podcast. See, that's bloody excellent. That is, that's that's really good. That makes my be all right, sound, wouldn't it? That makes my one sound oddly childish. Oh, oh I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, I like that. I really do like that. Who's listening? Who's the producer that's listening? Who do we know that produces television? You could do it socially distanced as well. You don't have to sit on the same sofa. Let's give Shrag a call. Let's get five but star. Again, get five star on the phone. We've, we've both chosen one with no dogs in. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the people. But I do think it would be so interesting not to become like a slanging match about some of the TV shows um, that, that aren't as... Uh, 
you know um representative of the methods that we would promote mm -hmm. but just to give people a, a more rounded view of how it, it could be tackled in a slightly different way yeah i i really like um uh panel discussion type sort of thing and that's mm. a nice way of doing it i like that doggle box doggle box oh my <gasps> god trademark i'm trademarking it now if anyone's oh listening out there oh my god doggle box there we go we'll have to we'll have to um should we just should we just go home now <laughs> to give, i think we've won give greg like 20 percent wouldn't we or something yeah shall i shall i edit this out yeah, edit it out. We'll delete his question. <laughs> He'll never know. <laughs> and then we'll waver him from Dogglebox. Dogglebox. That might be the best thing that's ever come out of this podcast. Dogglebox. <laughs> right, okay. Next question. Right, um, next question is from our another patron called Diane. Oh, hello, Diane. Diane. Um, and she is asking, what are our favourite training treats for the dogs? Oh, um uh i use that i can never remember their names but i use a lot of um you'll know that the cartons what are they nature oh yeah i use those as well nature diet nature diet nature diet treats because they fit perfectly in our treat pouches don't yeah they? you can also they're really easy to cut into much smaller they come in like mm. little rectangles and i can cut them into teeny teeny tiny bits for uh for penny or one barely touches the side in peach's mouth but um mm -hmm. but yeah i like them they are uh what what I like to describe as semi-moist. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Um, they're good. They're good, and 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 they do. They, you know, I was talking about the dust in the uh, in the treat pouch. Mm. Eventually, they dust up quite well, so you can you can get a hundred and twenty mile an hour Jack Russell hitting your dust. Uh, <laughs> or uh, I mean, yeah, I like them. They're really really good. I mean, I don't massively use sprats. I use a lot. I I, I use a lot of like cooked chicken and things like that uh mm. with my dogs uh i'm quite lucky that they're quite into uh their just their biscuits as well so i get to mix in a lot of their daily food allowance with their treats when they go out they they're, mm -hmm. they're just food batty both of my dogs i swear <laughs> i've never tried this but i swear i could use cardboard um, <laughs> a lot of the time um but yeah no I, I really like those treats they're really really good um it was a good recommend from you so they're great yeah well they're my go-to you've stolen my go-to because oh, i don't i don't like putting like meaty things in my treat pouch because of all the seepage God oh, what a disgusting word there's a lot, of, there's a lot of like borderline words like meaty yeah, there really are. pouch um, seepage so i like those the nature diet treats mm. um i also buy things in the the cheapy section like meat wise because i don't like buying meat full price because i don't want to uh, raise consumer demand for animal flesh yeah so i buy it when it's uh reduced and um what else i don't use sprats either because i had a sprat related injury once where i got stabbed by a sprat oh i've had really numerous sprats went up my nail yeah they're, they're so sharp oh and every now and again you get a juicy sprat sprat oh, day so juicy you've never had a juicy sprat well where you like no. where they're a bit bulbous and you rip them up and they're a bit still a bit Oh no! I'm glad a I haven't squidgy. had juicy sprat. Have you not, girl? You ain't lived. <laughs> I tell you what, you come home after. So, like, you know, you know, when you've sort of worked your way through all of the like nature diet ones, and then it's sprat day. You know, and that, yeah, that's, that's all that's left in the back of the cupboard. You come home from that if you've been doing like twelve one to ones or something, and crikey, do you stink? Yeah. Oh, oh, dear, mm -hmm. oh dear, oh dear. 
Um, but yeah, um, sprats always seem to go down quite well with my dogs. Uh, for Drax in the van, I've been using a uh, mackerel, mm-hmm. and yeah, that makes you stink as well. Yeah. So, Prim- but he he loves it. It's very smelly. So he's Primula is always a a, uh, a a good one. Like tiny little the thing I like about Primula is you can squeeze like teeny tiny little bit out, and, mm-hmm. and they sort of lick it off. And also, this is there is a dog trainer hack. Um, I this I can't. I'm not responsible for this. Someone told me this ages ago, but I love it. Save your toothpaste lid. Because they yeah. screw on the top of your primula and then you can just flick it open. Flick yeah. and then squeeze rather than have to unscrew and that squeeze. That's a very good hack. It is a good dog trainer hack, that is. Um, uh, other squeezy cheeses are available. Um, Didn't they are, though? No, they're not really, are they? <laughs> they don't, actually, that being said. The, you can get like similar sort of like dog training, like squeezy pate type. What We call it meat butter which is lovely. Uh, um, I'm sure like Lidl or Aldi do their own version called Stimula or something like that. Stimula. (laughs) (laughs) Stimula. Stimula. That is not as good as Dogglebox. (laughs) No, well, nothing, nothing will ever be as good as Dogglebox. Stimula sounds like something you'd get out of a vending machine in a gentleman's toilet. Right, we're moving on. Thank you to Greg and Diane, our lovely patrons. Um, Thank you. We will be having a beer on you probably next week, so we will post a photo of that. Boom. Uh, We've got uh, a few more questions on our Facebook page, so should we bash through those? Um, So our lovely Melissa is asking, what's the weirdest request you ever got as a dog trainer or in a behaviour consultation? Or what's the strangest thing you suggested that worked? Uh... I've got two stories for this. I'm going to bang for them really, really quick. House wellies. Um, I, I'm, yeah. I, I suggested house wellies for people with a particularly bitey puppy that was going after their ankles. Um, not expecting them to take me up on the offer when I came back the week after, they all had bought house wellies. And it had completely solved the issue within one Yay. week. Because obviously puppy was not getting any reinforcement for biting ankles because no mm-hmm. one was yelping and running around the house. <laughs> um, I was requested once from a lovely woman that um, that her husband uh, really was not into the dog training in any way, shape or form. But I spied on my way in the house that they had a massive collection of Doctor Who uh, DVDs. Ooh. And I'm a bit of a Doctor Who fan. So when I did get my first chance to talk to him, I just started to- talking who with him um, and mm-hmm. then eventually managed to coerce him into uh, getting involved in the training sessions. And then he became really, really good with his dogs. So that was really good. Aww, so Doctor, that's good. Doctor Who was like a way in. So the request was, how how the hell do I get my husband into this? And I thought, well, I'm going to start talking Doctor Who with him and then <laughs> yeah. get on his yeah. side. And then that helped. Um, that, was, that was the only two I could think of. I saw this one earlier. I don't know what mine is. No. I really don't. Um, I think I, I can't. I honestly can't think of any proper examples that would be interesting enough. Uh, but mainly, it's you know, it's asking how they stop their dog from from being a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you there. Which isn't isn't as entertaining as no. Melissa was hoping for. It's quite sad, really. Well, it ain't no house um, wellies, is it? 
It's no house, Wellies. You win that one, mate. You win. Do you know what? I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to come back bigger and better. Next I tell time. you, I bet, I bet, I know who's got a better story than both of ours all put together. Probably Melissa's got a really good one. I bet. Oh yeah. The, that, she's, that's, she's seeding that. That hasn't she's come like, uh, from nowhere, has it? That's there's definitely yeah. a story behind that that we might have to delve into <laughs> later on. So yeah, yeah, okay. Well, well, hold hold the phone for my answer on that one. Um, <laughs> Uh, Greg's back. He says, if you could only use one dog toy in Richmond or standard play type with your dogs, which would it be and why? Oh, that's tough. I, I, I'm I torn between um, homemade Tuggy toys that Corin makes that my dogs absolutely love. I love Tuggy mm-hmm. toys. I use them to reinforce loads of stuff or just have fun with my dogs. Um, and of course, the old classic stuffy stuff like Kongs and mm-hmm. and things. Yeah, I, I would be hard pressed to choose between those two. Me too. Okay. Long, long trailing, soft fleecy tug, mm-hmm. or Kong or similar. Yeah. Uh, like a chew toy bowly thing that you can stick things in. In a freezer as well. Yeah. Always good. Yeah. Always good. Um, Good question, Greg. Good question. <laughs> um, yeah. Emma's asking, what knowledge do you have on functional characters of dogs or introvert or extrovert characters? Have you taken any of your own human personality traits quizzes? Are there any dog versions that you know of? What an interesting question. Uh, Emma's assuming there that I'm a lot more intelligent than I actually am. <laughs> I I have uh, I do know that uh, I have been uh, had my character assessed, and I do know that I am actually more of an introvert than I'm an extrovert, or I'm a, I'm a kind of mix between the two, which really really surprised me, but actually makes sense a lot of the time. So um, I don't know, like, it, like I guess introvert dogs, you know, they they sit on the peripheries of life <laughs> like look looking on from a distance um uh and and uh extrovert dogs probably the ones that are like woohoo coming at everything with uh with optimism and is that yeah, a fair assessment well i read something a good few years ago now which explains introvert and extrovert and and that obviously there's a lot of fluidity between them but yep. um the the way i really like to uh, understand it is that whether you're an intro or extrovert depends on how you recharge ah. so it's not about actually because I'm I think I you know I'm not uh, a lot of people think that introverts are shy and introverted and they don't talk yeah and think, but actually um I, I I am an introvert because when I have when I have a day off for example I want to be on my own yeah, this, with my dogs this is the same. This at is the same home, thing. Yeah. watching telly, reading, doing whatever. When Jay has a day off, he want, he goes and visits everybody. Yeah. That's how he recharges himself. So he's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. And I reckon probably there are dog versions of that. Like Gru is very introverted. He, he'll he take himself off to go and have a little sleep somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas Fish is more extroverted. He likes social sleeping and, you know, being worn as a hat. I always used to think that Scooby was a bit introverted in terms of social behavior because he would he would get a toy and like ignore every dog around them around him in the park and you might think that that was him being really really toy obsessed but actually because I obviously grew to know him 
Mm. I often thought that was just his kind of way of just being like, I'm on my own. I'm kind of over here. Yeah, yeah. Just ignore, I'm ignoring everything around me, even though he was well aware of everything around me. Yeah. I, and that's is exactly what you said. They're really wrong true because I'm the same. I, I'm really happy to spend time in my own company. I'm really yeah. happy to do it. Um, I'm really happy to go and read a book, listen to a podcast. I'll look for opportunities to do those things. And don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, I'm Mr. Loudmouth, um, you know, <laughs> a number of loads of people, so maybe I'm a mixture of the two. But um, yeah, I do I like a party. I do like a party. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, good question. Very good question, though. Really good Very question. good question. It opens the door um, to more questions. So that's does. how we know that's a good question, Emma. I think Emma lives in Bude. Have you ever been to Bude? Have you? Good Lord, they've got a beach there that is just, oh, it goes on and on and on. It does. It's beautiful, Bude. I bet they have lots of people going there this this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's enough beach for everyone. Get on down to Bude. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone in Hampshire so that we can have our coastline. (laughs) It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, Right, last question is for you, my dear. For me? From Kelly. Kelly Uh, Kelly would like to know how you and Corinne leapt from walking to training. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, actually, the answer to that question is I didn't really. I kind of, I kind of did walking as a, um, as a sort of uh, to 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 get some money in for the training business. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started dog training before I became a dog walker, and then I kind of. Uh, quickly thought oh my god you know how how do people walk 15 dogs at the time um <laughs> so i i decided to offer a sort of like for want of a better word bespoke sort of like we we only ever did two, maximum two dogs at the same time and then eventually we were just using sort of enclosed fields to do it in in the end um so i didn't i kind of i kind of just did it along with when when we started the business because you were just you know what's like when you start a business you're like i need every source of income that's humanly mm. available i also worked in a pub in the evenings as well um uh which is how i met Karen actually um uh yeah so i didn't <laughs> there you go isn't it i think if if uh if there are walkers out there that are hoping to make that jump to be a dog trainer you kind of need a different client base mm. because it's uh, like and and remarketing because if someone if you have a client that is used to you being their dog walker, that's a bit of a change in mindset to then take on board advice you're giving about training. Would you say that's that's 100%. No one wants, no, not one of my walking clients want, ah, that's maybe a bit harsh, but, but no one, no one wants any advice that hasn't been asked for. Um, and we used to, so what we did, we flipped to a, um, to a different model, which we can't arguably still got at the moment. Now we call it recreational training, which is kind of like day training, um, which is massively rewarding and um, and earns us a lot more money, obviously, because it's not just dog walking, it's training. But we, So we have a group of dogs that we take out and we do training with them for a couple of hours a day. Um, uh, and it's great. It's wonderful. It's the only, one of the only times other than with my own dogs, where I'm actually training dogs as a dog trainer, <laughs> yeah. um, rather as a as a human trainer, and it's and it's wonderful, and the and it's massively rewarding, and people really really love it. Um, so yeah, that's something uh, that's something I would recommend to everyone because most of the things like you can do most of the big issues that people have with dogs jumping up and loosely walking and recall, you know, most of that stuff you can you can work on and then have these little sort of uh, 
uh, like crossover sessions. So you get the owners to come mm. out and then you show them what they've been doing. We record videos and things like that. So it is walking. They still go out for a couple of hours a day. But it's it's not, kind of yeah. a midway, isn't it? It's yeah. more than a walk. It's I mean, most dog walkers are doing training anyway, yeah. but anyway. it's not that the, the, the owner maybe doesn't realize that. Yeah. So it's it's kind of just really labeling what you're doing mm. uh, to kind of fulfill those those training needs for the dogs. Yeah. Um, and people really love that. They love to think their dogs are going out and going, I pick some up and they're like, oh, you're going to school today. We'll have good fun at school. And oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. Yeah. I've got loads of people that have been with us for a long time, actually. And bless them. Um, yeah. It's great. Although you do, there's a problem with like the, the the dog walking and that sort of thing that you get really emotionally attached to all oh, of God, these yeah. dogs, and then when I mean, inevitably the day comes when you either don't offer that service anymore, or or heaven forbid you lose one of the dogs or something, then it becomes it's almost as bad as losing one of your own. It really, really is. Mm. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Good question though. Um, yeah. Very no. good question. Good well, question? that's it. We're we're done. So thank you, everybody, for your questions. Yes. We very much like them. Keep them coming. We will let you know when we're recording next. Um, ask us basically anything, really. Yeah, ask us anything. Um, yeah, we do like. I think it's been amazing the the response we had, especially our Karen's episode the other day. It took a took Karen by surprise. She's very happy. Oh, I think. she loved it, didn't yeah. she? She yeah. The Oracle. <laughs> she is the Oracle. Right, moving on. Let's go. Another one bats dust. Don't, don't, don't. No one bats dust. Yep, it's always, um, <sighs> always a pleasure, Natalie. Uh, always, although I am fuming because I'm watching fuming? a big wood pigeon eat all of my grass seed that I've put down to try and grow mm, a lawn. Wood pigeons, eh? I'm going to have to what go and have a word do? with him. What are you going to do? I don't know. You need, uh, you need a couple of terriers, that's what you need. out there patrolling well you know i'm not usually out here now and i can see why my grass Mm. is not growing because Mm. they're eating the seed anyway we're we're saying goodbye to our lovely listeners we're not moaning about pigeons (laughs) moaning about pigeons um (laughs) before we go uh i've got a um uh, a little special little bit so um as some of you might have known on um the facebook page uh i I've been doing some new jingles. I don't know if jingles is the right word. Like little, uh, I think it would stings as is the uh, actual proper, oh, really? proper name for them. I stings. was going to say amazing, um, uh, original, crafted, fantastic, <laughs> earwormy, brilliant dog tunes. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. My head's going to be too big to leave <laughs> the room. um yeah i had a lot of fun making these i got there's a couple um i can tell i'm gonna intersperse them around the around the podcasts um if you are a patreon you got to hear them first as a world exclusive you lucky (laughs) lucky people um never let it be said that we don't treat you well um uh so uh we got two uh the first one i'm gonna play today on this podcast uh and this song is entitled Ballies in the Park. Um, I'll put a little call out uh, to ask people for some some dog um, quandaries to, to give me some inspiration. Uh, and, uh, oh, God, I got, actually, I, well, put it this way. I'm never, never going to be uh, shy of a bit of inspiration for 
future stings. There were lots of amazing ideas, weren't there? There were, but one that really caught my eye was by lovely Tracy with her border collie Ziggy, um, who loves a ball. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the, the quandary was about... Um, too many balls, like getting too many balls in the map, which got me thinking actually about or, or not enough balls, or not enough balls. Of course, yeah. it's like the it's like the sort of uh, the I've got the you know, alcoholic problem in it. I've got I'm, al- I'm alcoholic. I've got a problem. Two beers and only no, was it three beers and only two hands? I don't know. One mouth. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> you've Something you've gone like into that. Steve Land. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I guess the issue was too many balls, only one mouth. Um, yeah. Uh, so I. I, in my head, I started thinking, right, how can I do it about that? And the, and what I decided to frame it was was a um, a border collie going to a counsellor stroke psychiatrist to talk about the issue of mm-hmm. wanting all the balls, all the balls, um, and basically being a bally wally, bally wally. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So uh, here it is. Uh, enjoy, enjoy, and thank you, Steve. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Ah, do come in, Mr. Dog. Thank you. Great to see you again. Yes. Take a seat. <clears throat> so I understand you've been having some issues in the park. Do tell. Oh, I don't know what's gone wrong in my life. I've always loved balls since the day I was a pup, and my mum always gives me one when I go out. But now, I want them all. Yes, I see. That really is a problem. Hmm. I could see how that could land you in some trouble, yes? And yes, I know, it's really, really hard But you can't just go grabbing bodies in the park, yo Well, Doctor what? What the hell am I supposed to do? Other owners throwing balls right there in front of you The thing to know, I am a bloody border collie I need to break this cause I'm sick of being bally wally My prescription is to stick it off the puffer now Do some sniffing, take a break before you cause a row It isn't great to wander around all day this high when all is said and done, I know you're just a hurdy guy But you can't just go grabbing bollies in the park No, you can't just go grabbing bollies in the park No, you can't just go grabbing bollies in the park But you can't just go grabbing bollies in the park, no Right, there we go. Hope you enjoyed that. That was, uh, yeah, there you go. It's the uh, first airing on the podcast. You'll hear that again. I'm going to first throw it. of many. I'm gonna, surely, yeah, I'm going to. It's going to be splatted. Downloads about. are going to go crazy. <laughs> I might be in. I might be in new niche, mightn't it? I I don't know if I said on the podcast. So our friend Jordan Shelley has um, a podcast that he does called Wags Lyrical, and I wrote the theme song for that um as well um so if anyone listens to that one as well and and sort of thinks hang on a minute that sounds a bit like yeah, Steve. you need to you need to get out there and and pedal this or actually start with doggle box yeah yeah i mean none of it makes me any money so um yeah well maybe. yeah yeah it's a new niche though isn't it dog related sort of comedy things i quite like i quite like it and i do really enjoy it you know, yeah. All right, so it's all it's all. You good. can't put a price on some things. No, you can't put a price on ballies in the park. Really <laughs> um, but yeah, there's another one. Um, but oh, we'll save that for another day. Save it. We'll save no it spoilers. For another day. So there we go. Then um, we're we're done. Yeah. Done again Thank for another you one. For 
letting us in your ear holes again. Yeah, we've had a wee break um, recently from recording um, because life got a bit busy with the lockdowns ending and stuff, but we have got loads, loads. Oh my God, the one that, the one that I'm really, really looking forward to now is uh, a book called When Dogs Heal by Jesse Frieden. Oh yeah. Zach Stafford, yeah, 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 Christina yeah, yeah, yeah. Garafalo and Robert Garafalo. Um haven't started reading it yet, but it's actually oh it's beautiful. The book is beautiful. It's a photo it's a photo book all about um powerful stories of people living with HIV and the dogs that saved them. Um yeah, gotta thank uh Zazzy Todd for that. Zazzy Todd did like a little blog about it, the kind of little interview about the mm. book. Um and it really caught my eye. So thanks Zazzy for hooking us up. Um yeah, so that's, um, I think that'll be our, well, it's coming up soon. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Got loads of stuff coming up. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, we have. We've got, we've got quite a few booked in, haven't we? So we, oh, just go we will get going with some content so that Maybe you can listen to it. as well, spoilers, some very big names on the horizon. Um, over to Hill, big household names, Natalie. Household <gasps> names. Bigger maybe even than Greg. What? don't know is anyone bigger than greg i don't know i don't know um so yeah keep keep them peeled um you know where to find us find us on yeah. the facebooks find us on the patrons come and support us if you can um and uh yeah we we, we are going to be looking to do some special stuff for patrons on the we just haven't quite worked out what how when why Mm-hmm. and um and the other w's that i can't think of mm-hmm. where with where wellies 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 and the rude one right everybody um uh bye bye i guess just bye q q grant real bye 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 Ourselves divide Just like they've always done A spark of life We multiply This ride has just begun And here at the end that stretches back through all time Time Guided by a primal desire To simply survive Survive You can't keep it increase for real
return and peace on us as one with strong and where opposition exists it's our duty to persist resist and fight and defend till the end another's right to all this this bliss a wish a kiss you can't keep me down you know and I can't keep you down I know and it won't